0: This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel. I've been using their chalk for a few years now, and now Chalk Cartel has a new product called the Taco Skin Sander. The taco is made by a company called Crux Climbing in Spain, and Chalk Cartel is the exclusive distributor of the taco in the US. Climbers have been using skin sanders and files for decades, But I've always preferred something round. I find that if I use a flat file, I can't really get into the creases between the pads of my skin. And those creases are usually when I get bunchy calloused skin that might turn into a flapper or a split a crease split if I'm not careful. The taco skin sander is perfect. It's got this nice rounded beveled edge. You can use whatever shape on it you want. You can use a more flat shape. You can use a more curved shape. You can really get in there and sand all the parts of your skin that are rough or torn. Get rid of those little nicks and things that might catch on the rock. Keep your skin looking amazing between every burn. I bring this thing with me to the crag, bouldering, sport climbing. I bring it with me every time I go climbing and I use it all the time. It also comes with two different grits of sandpaper, which is super handy. You can use the more coarse grit to really rough up your skin. I almost always use the fine grit. I actually have my taco set up with two pieces of fine sandpaper. You can either have it mixed or matched or choose one or the other. I like the fine stuff. That's plenty of sanding power for me. I use it all the time. I absolutely love this thing. So check it out. Go to chalkcartel.com to pick up your very own taco skin sander from Crux and pick up some chalk while you're at it. Again, you can head to chalkcartel.com and use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase. That's chalkcartel.com and get ready to join the cartel. Hello friends and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host Stephen Dimmitt and I'm joined with my honorary co-host Ethan Pringle. Hello.
1: Hello friends. Do you want to say something? (laughs) We're here in Rocklands
0: at Kalkonki. In our permanently cold cabin and we're joined today. We are joined. Do you hear that? So official, we are joined, our guest today is Cat Runner. Cat is the winner of the HBO show, The Climb, that premiered back in January of this year, 2023. I'd been wanting to talk to Cat for a while and he happened to be in Rocklands at the same time. So it was really wonderful to sit down and talk with him. We had an amazing conversation and you guys, my worst nightmare came true. I forgot to press record. Before the conversation. So we recorded just for the first hour. So we recorded half a podcast and then he was super gracious. He came back over two days later and sat down with us again. And I think we had an even better conversation. So I doubt you'd even know if I didn't say anything. I think this one turned out great. I'm really uh, proud of how it turned out. Really grateful to Kat for sharing so much of himself with us and sharing so much of his time and really excited to share this one.
1: I kind of thought the first conversation was better than the second. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> no, I'm. That's just because just it was all new. I'm the, just joking. The first time. Um, yeah, it was. I was like honored to be a part of that conversation and just like be be there in person with you guys when you yes. recorded it, and it was so heartfelt and inspiring and informative. And I feel like I learned a lot about Cat and his life, and just the trans experience or his trans experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I could just his, his humanity is so just beautiful and he's just such an awesome, inspiring person.
0: Yeah. Super, super inspiring guy for sure.
1: Um, yeah, we
0: didn't talk too much about the climb. Actually, that was one thing that got lost or cut out was some of our banter about the climb and a deep dive behind the scenes into some of the actual episodes that came out but tons of amazing stuff all the stuff that made it in felt like the most important stuff to share and I think this one turned out great so hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Ethan Pringle my co-host and our guest cat Runner do it we do do it
1: like
2: we do it because no one can do it like we do it like we do
0: like we do it. Okay, the recording button.
3: Our level's good. One, two, three. I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check. The red light is on. Plenty of battery. Check your not. Check your knot. Shake. <laughs> but I'll sound check it anyway. On ballet. Do you want to tell me about your tea?
3: <laughs> it's a black
0: tea. Um. The whole situation.
3: Oh, I travel. <laughs> I I don't drink coffee, but um, and I, and I mainly drink black tea. Um, I switched to loose leaf because it's fun to have a steeper, and because I felt like it was a little bit more, I don't know, environmentally sustainable. Um, and I travel with this entire set. I travel with the mug, the tea, and and the steeper because I need, I like a big mug. And sometimes where I go, there's not a big mug. And then my whole like, you know, ratio of loose leaf tea to water gets thrown off. And then- Can't have that. Um, sometimes when you travel, like, it's really stressful to buy tea from the store because you don't know how it's going to taste, or if it's going to take sugar, taste sugary, or if it's going to stain your teeth real bad. So I have, uh, so I, I I come with my own tea. <laughs>
0: it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a steeper like this. It's it's oh, um, it's the little
3: it's a little like dinosaur dinosaur, dinosaur Loch Ness monster with oh, little legs.
0: It's <laughs> <that's> amazing.
3: <laughs> but it's nice because it sits at the bottom. Like you know, other tea steepers, they sit on the rim of the cup, mm. and then but this like sits at the bottom. It'll sink, and then. I don't know. This isn't a particularly like. Have you uh, put roibos in it? Not in the, uh, not with the steeper. I've just done the the packets of roibos, but. um,
0: Is there a reason you don't drink coffee?
3: I just don't like it. You just don't like it. I don't like the taste, and I don't really like the smell. I'm always
0: afraid to answer that or ask that question. I'm like, are you gonna have a good reason why I shouldn't be drinking coffee? I hope not. (laughs) I (laughs) get. Just cut this part of the podcast out if you, if you tell me that coffee's bad.
3: And I feel like I don't particularly need it for the caffeine like I know black tea has caffeine in it but um I haven't felt a change or like a, a caffeine hit or anything like that um I think usually I like to have tea in the morning I feel off if I don't have tea in the morning cuz it's um and my brain like jump starts my routine mm and just like we're getting ready, we're having a cup of tea type of thing, but it's not necessarily for the caffeine. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Sometimes I feel like making coffee and smelling coffee wake my brain up just as much as actually drinking coffee.
3: Because I can I can drink black tea at night and be fine. Mm. So yeah. that's how I know it's, it has nothing to do with the caffeine yeah. content.
0: <laughs> Will you sound check real quick? I know you already said something, but. Yeah, what do you, <laughs> you want my two need. cents
1: on caffeine and
0: coffee? Let's go, yeah, what do you got?
1: Um, what do you, what do you have over there? You have a half calf and a rusk. I have a half, uh, well, I have a cup of coffee that was made from instant coffee and half of it was decaf and half of it was full calf. So I have a half calf cup of instant coffee and a muesli rusk from Woolworths that I'm going to probably not eat anymore because it's going to be. Loud and crunchy in the microphone, (laughs) and you can. If we're having a (laughs) semi-serious or completely serious conversation, mm -hmm, you're just
3: in the back chewing away. Maybe, maybe
1: munching on rusks is not
0: the appropriate thing to do. Yeah, I thank you for your for being so considerate.
1: (laughs) But I have it. This is going to be sitting here taunting me the whole show. I'm going to cover it up, hide it. But I, I, when I drink coffee, I'm like. I didn't really start drinking coffee until, like, my mid-20s, mm. and um, and now I'm addicted. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I've taken breaks from it, but I can't seem to, like, stay away for very long. Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I've taken breaks, too, and it's like, well, I feel fine. I don't know if I feel different, so maybe I just get to have this thing every day because I like it, so mm-hmm. I'll just go back to doing that. Like, if it was really life-changing to go off of coffee, I'd probably stick to not having coffee. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed anything when you've gone off of it?
1: Well, I feel tired, and <laughs> I have a bad headache for, like, one day. Mm-hmm. And then I feel less, like, anxious, for sure. I feel more calm and, like, even-keeled throughout mm. the day. I coffee, coffee spikes my anxiety, like, a lot. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not that I will for sure have like heightened anxiety when I drink coffee, but if I go do something scary or like if I if I have like a, you know, if I want to try hard on a rock climb and there's like a performance element and I might have some anxiety already, I'll have like a lot more if I drink coffee mm-hmm. or if I want to go do like a highball or something. <clears throat> I stopped drinking it last year after I did um, Get Railed because that experience kind of like ruined me a little oh, bit wow yeah because I was like already pretty freaked out and then I I had like I had like a really bad night of sleep the night before and then I had like a lot of coffee right before we hiked out there and I was like and then you had kind of singing
0: a terrifying experience well I think or is it, it just was, a terrifying experience no matter what it
1: was a terror it was probably going to be terrifying for me no matter what but I think it was it the anticipation was way worse because I was so jacked. Mm. And that happens kind of frequently, so, <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Coffee, drug, drugs are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really does like it, it amplifies my anxiety. But maybe some people just live like that, and they're like, "This is just my life." So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coffee, and then you just had some other things, you know,
0: to to bring it back down. Yeah, you have to eat like a big meal. And I was thinking it, like, of pharmaceuticals, but oh, but also that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My anxiety my, my problem. Is food. I'm not going to stop drinking coffee, but. Had some drugs. Anyway, we don't need to go into that. So, Kat, I saw you yesterday at the the little the hen house, the yeah. little like tea shop, coffee shop, whatever. And um, you know, in the morning, we're getting breakfast before going out climbing. And you were doing some work.
3: Yeah, uh, I every every Sunday, and I have not done it. I. I have to, um, every Sunday I put out as part of the like first initiative that I started doing with the, as the queer climbers network is tracking, um, queer climbing events, both domestic and globally. And each week I put out of, I put out a post of all the things that I know of that are happening that week so that like people can find them or it kind of, it also just helps maybe hopefully getting exposure to these local groups that are doing stuff or. Um, in, in a lot of ways, just if people fall are following it or hear about it or it gets shared, even if they're not going to go to it, showing that there is a community out there, that they're not alone. Um, so I, I try and at some point, usually on Saturday or sometimes it's Sunday morning before I post, I have to make, I have to make that post where I take everything that I have from this calendar for the upcoming week, put it into, to, Um, a postable format and then Mm. and then upload it which I have to I've I've not done that part yet I frankly forgot about it (laughs) I (laughs) I use a reminder yeah it usually I'll usually remember it it's it's good right now we're six hours seven hours ahead Mm -hmm.
0: so I've been relying on everybody's sleep right now yeah
3: (laughs) in the U.S. which is what I mainly track I, I do have some international events it's because there are some international groups, it's just harder to, I think, keep up with those, sometimes with the language barrier, sometimes with the time differences. Um, Also, just uh, even less of kind of um, a know-how about what's going on globally and being Mm -hmm. able to keep up with that um, than than throughout the U.S. So it's, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's what I was doing yesterday is I, I was preparing that post so that, because because otherwise if I don't, it, it just takes so much time because um, I've gotten to a point where the Google Calendar, like there are things that recur uh, regularly. So they happen the first Friday of the month, they happen the second Saturday of the month um, and, and so on and so forth. And so those repeat, but I still each week have to manually type them up to post on Instagram. Mm.
1: Got you. Is there something happening in Australia?
3: Um, I didn't
1: mean to snoop, but I saw a big graphic <laughs> with the word Australia. Yeah, on it.
3: there's a really big climbing group called Climbing QTs that function out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of meetups every week. <laughs> They'll do... Uh, they, they do, like, a lot of what other groups are doing, which is, was one of kind of... One of my main... Um, thought processes behind the Queer Climbers Network is I didn't want to establish an organization and then go and try and put that throughout the U.S. and it be, and like create this almost like franchised thing. Um, because that just, I'm not a part of those local communities, but also there are so many organizations that are already doing things, just people don't know about them Mm. and I really just wanted, that's why the idea behind the database, that's where the idea behind the database came from was creating a place where all this information can live and be found um, so that if you're traveling, because as climbers, it's it's a part of our lifestyle. I'm sure whenever we travel for work or um, for fun, we stop in a gym at some point because it's a part of our routine. It's how we regulate stress. It's a community building thing. Um, if you're a part of a marginalized group or l- just frankly like climbing with people a little bit more than just climbing solo, this can be a fun way to interact with that local community and it can also just be a little bit less intimidating for both new and experienced climbers to just check out a new gym because um, you're not I don't know I for me at least it helps regulate my anxiety and regulate kind of just how I, show up in a gym because if i'm alone i'll usually like climb really hard i'll push myself really hard i will actually not be having fun mm-hmm. versus if i meet someone there and we're working beta we're chatting like for me climbing needs to be there needs to be something that brings me to climbing other than the climbing itself
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. I was, I was curious about what you were working on. I just, you know, we chatted yesterday morning and you said you were having a work day and it just made me wonder like, what is your, what is your life like this year after the <laughs> climb, you know, like the the whole premise of the show, um, Ethan hasn't watched the show so we can fill him in on, <laughs> on the show. Um, Sorry. <laughs> the whole premise of the show is like the winner wins a hundred thousand dollars in this hundred thousand piranha sponsorship. Um, Obviously, you didn't just walk away into the sunshine and, and just like you're... I thought it was really cool that, you know, part of the show as it evolves is sharing everyone's story and like what's important to them and what they want to use with the, the platform, with the financial yeah. support, all that. But what does your life look like in the year after the show? How long has it been since you guys wrapped and and what did that look like?
3: So it's actually, it's actually been a year and a half since we wrapped. Oh, wow. We, we The show itself didn't premiere until a year after we did it. Okay. And that it was honestly like kind of nice um, to have that year as a little bit of a grace period to return back home, see my friends, know what's coming in the future and having the time to prepare for those changes and kind of even like be able to fully grasp what that could mean now rather than like oh it ended your life's going to change in a matter of like a week or a month or something like that and my life did like it it was it was interesting I mean um I I was making changes and making plans for the following year when the show would come out and then when the show came out it still immediately kind of changed in a way that was very rapid. It premiered in January and three drops. Yeah, it premiered in January and then I didn't have things planned really until March. So like the... the so far so, was like
0: climbing trips or...
3: Yeah, just like climbing trips and other things for work that I was going to do anyway um, weren't really planned until March. So February was a more expedited version of that year-long grace period type of thing to now per- mentally prepare for um, the next year and beyond. It's It's been really, really amazing. I think um, a lot of what I had intended and what I planned to do, I was gonna do regardless of the prize and the sponsorship. I was gonna um, whittle away at that and really start building the Queer Climbers Network no matter what had happened, but the sponsorship really just gives a gives me more flexibility to dedicate and manage my time. Um, I'm still working at home. Like it was I think that's something that people always expect is like you just won this thing, what do you do now? And it's like, well, I went I went home and I went back to work. Um, because I really appreciate my job and I enjoy it a lot. And what currently do do? I'm a photographer and videographer. I work in the commercial film and video industry. And I really enjoy my job. I really enjoy who I work for. He's just like amazing and so kind. And like knew throughout the whole process of filming, like what was going to go on that I wasn't going to be there, and was just completely flexible. And like my that was a big question my mom had when I when I told her, I was like I think I think I got in. I think I'm doing this thing." And she's like, "Are you? D- does does Andrew know? Are you like when you when it's over?" Are you gonna have a job? And he's like, Yeah, he's known the whole mm. time. But he he's That's just cool. like such an amazing character where he said that even if I hadn't kept him in the loop throughout the whole interviewing process, he'd be like, No, you need to go do this. Mm. And, I, and I'm gonna support you through it. And he's and I still have a job with him now. It's like just a little bit more contract rather than full time. Um, but when I'm home, I'm picking up work, I'm working on Queer's Climbers Network, I'm climbing, and then Um, It's just been really great to connect with some more people in the industry. Uh, I'm working with Flash Foxy on a larger scale than I have in the past as a part of their photography team for their festivals. And like one of my main goals was I want to um, be able to teach clinics and help expand access to climbing education. So I took my SPI course, and I'm working toward getting a certification for that so that... So, I have opportunities with that. I've worked more. I've been able to work more and like travel out to Oregon for Out in the Wild's first outdoor like queer climbing festival in Smith Rock. And it's just been like kind of amazing to be able to connect with organizations that are already established, particularly in the West Coast, because, and, and then learn from them, connect, and then be able to like, realistically plan and think about, can we bring this to the South? Can Mm. we bring this to the Southeast? Because we don't really have anything like that. Mm. And, um...
0: you're from Louisville. I'm from
3: Louisville, Kentucky, so it's, like, South, Midwest, like, um, but we don't have, like, a queer climbing festival in the Red River Gorge. Um, the local queer group that we have at the gym is the first in Kentucky, as far as I know. It's... There are a lot of people within the South who want to create these programs and are trying to do it, but it's it's just we need like I think to do it collectively. And it's been helpful to have the time to meet all the people who have dreams about this, and then now we can like okay, we can delegate and we can do this together.
0: Mm. It's so awesome that that's what you're doing with it because I think everyone watching the show imagines that the winner is just gonna you know win a hundred thousand dollars and just say, you know, peace, buy some new climbing gear yeah. and just go on a year-long, like, you know, climbing rampage and just go to all these amazing places. That would have been totally understandable and amazing, too. I think for me, what what I found out, like, a good couple of years ago
3: was I was... When I was working in my climbing gym, I would climb before my shift or after my shift. And usually that was in the afternoon when there weren't people in the gym. They weren't my friends. My friends didn't come in at that time. So I was climbing very solo and... I'm, I'm a very introverted person, but like the climbing community is my social hour. And like, I learned, and, and then I got hurt and I wasn't going into the gym at all. And I got really depressed. Mm. Um, and then I had this like revelation, which it sounds kind of dumb. Cause you'd think it's like, well, of course you can, but my head, you know, it's like, you think climbing, going to a climbing gym, we're going to climb. You have to climb. I learned I can go to the climbing gym and not climb. I can just <laughs> go and hang out and just hang out with my friends and stuff and um because that was that was really like largely who my who my community was and when I wasn't a part of that I was very alone and it just helped me realize how extremely important and how fundamentally more important the people I climb with are than the climbing that I'm actually doing mm. so both for my safety, but also just for my own personal psych, how I perform, um, what I enjoy. And I know that a lot of other people feel that way too, that they just feel, um, they can feel so much more excited about climbing when they're climbing with people that they really enjoy being around. And I wanted to help create programming where someone can come in and find that mm. and can meet people that and 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 make and and give them kind of like the tools to do with climbing what they will mm. um i think like through expanding education and stuff i want people to be able to have access to experience and information so then they can go out on their own and they can go out confidently and safely and not feel like they have to pay or attend a specific course in Mm. order to have that experience. Mm -hmm. But like with the queer climbing community, and I know women can also feel this way too, it's, you have, there, there are certain spaces where it feels like you can you're respected in and you can show up and you can fully give yourself. And those spaces may be an affinity space versus just a general climbing clinic that anyone can attend.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanna ask you about your experience on the show itself. Mm-hmm. Because I ran into another contestant here a couple of weeks ago. I won't say who it is because I don't have their permission to talk about this, but I recognized them from the show and Um, As soon as I acknowledged that, they were immediately embarrassed. I thought that was really interesting. They were like, ah, it was clear to me that they didn't feel like they were represented in a way that um, they just didn't like how they were represented. It didn't feel like this was my lived experience and, you know, played, played up the drama, played up the, you know, the emotions, whatever it was. So you record this thing, you have this amazing experience and then you wait a year. Do you see any of it in the meantime, or does it just drop? Yeah, (laughs) it just
3: dropped. We were we were all experiencing everything being revealed at the same time as everyone else. Like we we maybe got to see the trailers and the episodes like the night before, like a few hours before. Were you
0: like super anxious
3: watching every episode? Um, I think it 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 wasn't really an anxiety to me. It was more just like a curiosity of what they were going to pick to include, Uh, just because I know that we filmed so much. And how long was the filming experience? Total, um, it was for me about four months. There was a two and a half, three week break over the holidays, but we filmed from November twenty one through February twenty two. Wow. Um and it was like two six week blocks. Wow. Um <clears throat> I yeah, I, I was mainly like I, I know the inner workings of film. It was kind of fun to be on a on a film set and listen to, just like the radio chatter or the terminology, the lingo and stuff because I knew what it meant. Um, and so a few other people in the group also knew because um, Mario has done some work in in production as well. But um, I don't know. It was it was just fun being clued in in that way, but. And, and seeing how a production like this comes together. And I knew that, you know, stuff would be omitted and it wouldn't... What we are experiencing is gonna be something entirely different than what the audience experiences and what they see. For For my story, I had the benefit that being the winner, like, Unless if they they're doing something like really funky, which sometimes they do. But um, I was going to be painted in a in a positive light, and my story was going to be positive. I was I was going to be the protagonist.
0: And it's so weird to think about it that way.
3: Yeah, <laughs> there there's kind of that benefit of of maybe it, it depends on like how they're going to go with the story. If it's some sort of you know great hero goes on a journey sort of like underdog thing, or or how how exactly they're going to dramatize it, but. Um the likelihood of me being painted as a villain at any point in it just it it's less because they want the winner to be likable. Mm. Um but even then I I I came in I mean I'm a very like varied person. I have a lot of aspects to my identity, but um they showed what I was bringing, which I was coming in as a representative of the queer and trans community. That's what I wanted to talk about. That's a major part of my life. Um, but but I think they did it in a really beautiful way where I am trans, but it wasn't solely spotlighted on that part of my identity. It felt like, no, this is, this is something that influences the experience that I have, the type of climber that I come in as. But I'm not climbing the way that I do because I'm a trans person it's um I'm not the trans climber I'm a climber who is also trans it's mm-hmm. it's an it's an additional part of this this person that you see
0: yeah i hadn't I hadn't thought about what that would feel like for you but i I can Think back and remember that. I think they did that really well where you meet Kat and Kat's part of, you know, the group and you see some of your climbing and then it's like three or four episodes mm-hmm. in that they're like, oh, here's here's more of Kat's and story. And it's
3: very subtle. It's just like me kind of just touching on my history, my backstory, just like in conversation like anyone else where it's like we're telling a story, we're talking about why we're there and it just naturally comes in that like, oh, this is where my mind went. This is how these things stitch together. And it just that just followed throughout the the whole um show
0: mm-hmm. yeah. what did the experience of shooting and climbing actually feel like? Did it feel like? A climbing trip? Did it feel like a weird work thing? <laughs> Something in between?
3: I think it's, th- there's nothing really for me to compare it to. Cause at that point, that was the first time I had really been out, I had been out of the South. I had, um, and it was the first time that I had been on a trip longer than like two days. Uh, <laughs> wow. Because, That's you awesome. know, like, yeah, I would, uh, the furthest I had gone at that point was I would go down to Boulder and Chattanooga for like two days and then I'd go home because um, it was the weekend. And I'd never been out west. I'd never been international to climb. So I, I just like don't really have anything to compare it to. It was a really, really interesting, fun situation. I think um, there, there was certainly a learning curve to it. And like like with any climbing trip, there's a learning curve with the culture that you're in and the place that you're in. And to add to this trip, it was also like a production. So the learning curve around the the run of the production and the rhythm of the production and the scheduling and the routines and then maybe like the anxieties or the circumstances of a competition on top of that it was it was a lot to kind of figure out and mm. then once 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 I figured out that step then it was like okay we, we we've got it down I know what to expect this mm. is what we're gonna do and, and it felt a little bit more relaxed.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you meet Jason Momoa? I did. (laughs) I want to see a photo of you standing next to Jason Momoa. You just watched the last episode. Okay, I'll watch it again. Um, There's this really,
3: really funny shot.
0: What a a massive human. Oh, he's so big.
3: There's a really funny shot when we're all standing on the cliff. And like, when we were doing it, they were like, we're going to put Jason Momoa next to you. I'm like, I need to be on a rock and Jason Momoa needs to be on a hole. (laughs) And they're like, we know. But... Even then, like, it's all of us next to each other with Chris, Megan, Dom and I, and then Jason. And he's still, like, a whole head and a half taller than all of us. It's just like, the shot is really funny to me. (laughs) Just because he's such a tall
0: human. Yeah, (laughs) He's, like, 6'4", so. 6'4 and, like, 250 or something? Can you imagine how strong his hands must be? Cause he climbs pretty well. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of that's a lot of man to pull up the wall. I, all I can
1: think of is the climberisms version of him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was something that we
3: would joke about was with climberisms and the account crispy shawarma. Mm. Like, what would when we were while we were filming? It's like Kang okay, is is this going to be the thing that makes it on one of those meme accounts? <laughs> <laughs> Have we made it?
1: <laughs> the, the shot of you guys standing next to each other?
3: <laughs> or, no, just like in general, anything that was anyway, going be. Yeah. I think the first one that made it on one <laughs> of them was when we're hiking out to the boulders in Wadi Rum and Dom is carrying a rug to function as the blubber. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny photo. Mm.
0: I'm sure I, I remember seeing a, a climberisms from the climb. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of what it was. We were just kind
3: of joking about like, are we going to make <laughs> it? Is this going to be guys something made it. that's you guys be went mean. big for sure. And and what? And uh, and while we were filming, is like, is that going to be it? Is that is that what people are going to pick up on?
0: <laughs> what was your experience like when the when the show dropped that first drop in January the year later? So you had that grace period for a year, and then what happens? You said like. You kind of felt ready for it, but then it still surprised you. Was it just getting recognized by tons of people? Was it an outpouring of messages from people? I think um
3: people like it was it was really really fun getting to almost re experience parts of it. With the original crew, because we would, as stuff would drop, we would talk about it and we'd remember things. But then now with like my close friends and family who knew that I did this thing, but didn't know that now we're getting to watch it. And then it, it was really fun getting to talk to them about it and experience that. I didn't start receiving a whole bunch of messages until kind of later in the episodes. Um, there were there were three drops kind of, rather than, like, one episode dropping a week, they dropped the eight episodes in three parts. But overall, it was it was fun to see people that I didn't know watching it, tagging me and stuff, seeing the reactions. And, and then later, toward the finals and toward the end, getting to hear from people, but especially uh, trans people, trans kids, and their parents, like... What it means to be able to have someone like that that they can watch mm. and be connected through this thing that they do called climbing. Mm. Um, there are like trans climbers who exist in climbing. There are some well-known ones, but they're like I can I can count them off on one hand. Um, the the ones who are sponsored athletes and who people know of and they are amazing people and it's just kind of like, here's a, here's another person to show that we're here. Mm. Here's another person to show that we can do this really cool thing too, that we are, um, that you can be successful, you can be thriving, you can do something that you love. Just because in like transmedia historically, the trans narrative is synonymous with trauma, and here is a representation that is not traumatic, or it doesn't hyper focus on the trauma that someone may experience. It's a part of their story, but it's not the story. It's like it, um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we had a conversation about about the climb and your experience the other day, and about how um how important it is to show people's stories and to not project that story onto an entire group of people yeah like you are cat you are not the any sort of stereotypical trans experience because there isn't a stereotypical trans experience there's a whole wide array of we're all human and and
3: i also experience privileges different than other trans people and there are trans people who experience different privileges than me, and that all influences what we are and are not able to do, um, or how how we access uh, maybe what we accomplish. Mm. And that's something that I take very seriously, is that because there's such an extreme lack of representation, any sort of representation at all usually propels that person who's creating it into a spokesperson role. And because for a lot of people, that may be the only trans person that they know of. Um, They don't have other voices to listen to. They don't have other experiences to know of and kind of make a a critical analysis of like, okay, well, here's like maybe the communal thought behind this. Because a lot of people in this community are saying similar things versus this one person who says, says something like really, really off. Should we... Should we believe that this is their personal experience or this is the personal experience of everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's really, really important, and I take it seriously, is that um anybody, when you're consuming anybody's stories and you're listening to anybody's voice, that you don't project their singular experience on the community that they belong to as a whole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I can't speak for the whole trans community. They like statistically, there's like, Two percent of the um, world's population is trans, so like of eight billion people, that's uh, a lot of math. But <laughs> um, it's it's more people than just me.
0: It's too, it's too early for math. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious to hear what makes. Uh, what makes you want to step in this the spokesperson role cuz you've really embraced that you've taken on that mantle and I was kind of just trying to imagine what it would feel like to um to be in your situation where like you have this obvious kind of purpose and meaning right in front of you but at the same time it's a lot of pressure potentially it's not your responsibility it shouldn't have to be your responsibility yeah. if you don't want it to be like that's I mean that's the case with with any marginalized person who's doing something cool, we automatically want to make them an inspiration want to, um, or, or feel as though they should not only be an athlete or whatever they are, but also an advocate and, you know, um, this, is, yeah, the source of inspiration. Um, I can kind of see it being both, like maybe pressure and maybe sometimes you want to just be a climber and have it not be complicated. But then there's also like maybe this really incredible meaning that comes from um, from this part of yourself and wanting to to share your story with other people
3: yeah that's something that I've definitely thought about and I've I've definitely gone through waves of asking myself like how visible do I want to be um even even like from the beginning of like what made me audition for the show what made me want to, project my story on even an even larger platform than I already do. And, Were you clear
0: about that from the beginning? Yeah. Like if I go on the show, I wanna talk about this. Yeah, it was,
3: um, the, I always say it is like, uh, being trans is part of the package. It comes with me and that's, that's what you get. It's something that's extremely important to me. It really, really does have a large story or a large role in how I present myself and um, who I am to you, and I want to acknowledge that and embrace that. And more importantly, I'm proud of it. Like, um, I'm proud of what I've learned from being trans. I'm proud of how I show up. It's um, I'm proud of what I've needed to do to love myself, and I think for some people who see that, it's it's less about, like, they need to see a trans person, but I feel like they need to see what it looks like to see feel pride, what it needs to look like to see someone who does love themselves, who does care. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, too, I mean, to see a future, because... Um, if, if all you see is one specific storyline or one specific person, then how can you imagine yourself doing anything other than like what you've been taught is success or what is the path for you based on the other people who belong to your community, what their, their futures look like? Um, I think... Uh, a lot of a lot of queer people kind of connect to the sentiment of being who they needed when they were younger, and that really driving kind of their character or how they present themselves or their motivations of how they tell their story. Mm. Um, and that's something like i really I really feel in my heart that uh, because I know that. When I was doing the show, and like a lot of the reasons why I did it and why I've wanted to do uh, wanted to be visible, is that someone is gonna find that, and maybe I may be the only trans person they ever know about. I may be the only trans person they see. And it could change their world mm. um for better or for worse. That's not I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it could it could change their world. And like, I, I definitely feel when you're in, like, a representative role or any sort of activist advocate role, there's this extreme pressure that you have to change the world, and that seems really unrealistic the majority of the time, and frankly, kind of, like, is unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. But more importantly, like, if I can change one person's world, that can have Mm. a fundamental compounding effect, and I would rather take the opportunity to, to do that and put all my effort into doing that because um, then that person may go on and mm. be the person who changes the world.
0: Mm. Love that. Was there, um, was there a time in your life, maybe in your childhood where you really needed that person that stands out? And did you have that person like who was it for you that showed you what your life could be? I think
3: I've always had this stubbornness where if I set my mind to something um and I can logistically like see it and figure out the tinkerings of like how to do, how to get there. I can I can make it work and I can picture myself there. I think what probably I really would have benefited from when I was younger is not directly seeing like a trans pathway or a trans journey or, or just, just seeing someone who is embracing themselves, loving themselves and is finding their future through that and seeing themselves in their future. I have definitely experienced like suicide ideation before and just kind of extreme depression. And usually when those occurred, it was because I didn't, I couldn't picture a future for myself. I couldn't figure out what that looked like. I couldn't figure out how to get there. And I don't feel that way now because even though I don't know what exactly my future looks like, I know that I'm a part of it. Mm. And I just have to... And it's all part of the this method of like, okay, we're just gonna experience this as we are. And even though I don't know like, yeah, what what exactly that may encompass, like we're gonna get there. We're gonna be a part of it. And um, that that's like really big. I think it's really scary not to be able to picture picture yourself, in the future, because mm. then where's the motivation to make choices that get you there? Mm-hmm. If 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 it doesn't feel like it's worth anything,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Do you have any thoughts or <laughs> questions?
1: You've been quiet for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's I'm just okay just too. Absorbing. That's okay too. Um, no, I mean that's 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 super beautiful. I mean, I think a minute ago I had the thought like you are changing the world. You're mm-hmm. like you're having an impact on so many people's lives. Yeah, you know? it, I mean it's it's amazing to get feedback from just one person that you had a positive impact on them. But like you know, it sounds like it's been a lot more than that.
3: There's a I was reading The Alchemist for the first time while I was filming the show. Oh, it was a, it was great how that linked up. I think I think that book. Amazing. I definitely believe <clears throat> that that book finds you when when you need it. But there's a a wonderful quote, and I'm gonna butcher it, but it's something like every person plays a fundamental role in the history of the world, and most time, most of the time he doesn't know it.
2: Mm.
3: So it's like, yeah, it, it. everything that we do does matter. Everything that we do can have a reverberating impact. It's just a matter of like on the scale that we see and we see that worth. For me, I see the worth of impacting on a intimate kind of individual level way way more important than on the whole of like the grand scale mm. but but it's also that's something a lot more tangible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it's a lot more tangible to make a connection with a specific person than mm-hmm. it is to like make speeches or um, make policy or, or do something on that when, scale too. and
0: you can connect with it because you can see yourself being that person that you're talking to like this Mm -hmm. person's me this is you know i needed myself in this moment and i can i can have that connection yeah i think so i had that thought too um same as you ethan when, when you were talking like um you are changing the whole world it's the whole butterfly effect right it's like these little trickle down connections and i'm sure you're touching so many more lives than just one um in this really direct, intimate way. And then they're gonna touch other people's lives and it just grows. But you also don't have to carry the pressure of having to fix everything because no yeah. one can, right? So it's like that kind of duality where you are changing the whole world, but you're not fixing the whole world because no one can fix the whole world. Yep. It's not up to you. You don't have to carry that that weight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage. I take the Fizzy Vantage Supercharge Collagen every day. Why? Because my fingers need collagen to get stronger. Hello? Here's the deal. Supercharge Collagen is a research-based athlete-proven supplement that supports collagen synthesis in connective tissue and the force transfer matrix of muscle. What the hell does all that mean? Well, to me, it means if you want stronger fingers, you should be supplementing with collagen. I personally am taking my collagen an hour before my finger training on my training days to get the most out of my training. And I really think it helps. It makes sense. Collagen is what our tendons are made of, and we need more collagen to make them stronger. And it's working. It's awesome. Collagen is super helpful for recovering from injuries as well. I've had a couple injuries in the last year. I had a bicep tendon injury this winter. And having a lot of collagen in my diet helped me get back to 100% and back to climbing V10 again within three months from the date of the injury. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage, head over to FizzyVantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your next order. That's FizzyVantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your order. This episode is brought to you by wonderful pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. And I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff, something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted That's my favorite. Super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, Fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. And now, back to the show. Do you want to talk about your childhood? Yeah, I don't mind. We we had a conversation about your childhood the other day and about, um, you described it as, very ungendered, which I yeah. thought was really interesting. I want to dig into that more.
3: My, my childhood, now that I'm apart from it, I, I can recognize was a completely gender-neutral childhood. And it's, I think there, it was hard for me to come to that conclusion because based on maybe like what we assume a gender-neutral childhood to be, my childhood wasn't that like, um, the easiest, you know, most logical way to say, okay, a gender neutral childhood, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a gendered childhood. It's not strictly like enforcing gender roles. And in doing so, I think some people believe that a gender neutral childhood means like completely ridding the discussion kind of evidence or existence of gender roles. So like, I don't know, by pink, by blue, by um, dolls or trucks
0: or yeah, yeah.
3: And um, whereas mine was just a gender-neutral childhood is when you're raising a child and creating a space, a safe space for them to explore and learn in the world on their on their own and interact with it in the methods that seem natural to them. So, like, I played with all kinds of toys. I learned pretty fast that I didn't like female-gendered clothing um, because, like, simply put, I couldn't play in it. Uh, I didn't feel like I could get dirtier play in skirts and dresses, so I didn't like that. And it, it felt, like, restrictive to me, whereas, you know, some people, regardless of gender, may feel empowered by that and. Um, that is something that should be embraced. And I think that was it was kind of like just amazing to have that because I didn't experience kind of more strict gender roles until I got older in like middle school or so when puberty is beginning and then there's there's a more stricter divide and you you are being segregated.
0: Um, well, and, and kids gender. that age are also ruthless. Yeah. Like, everyone's figuring out their own shit. Everyone's terrified of how their bodies are changing or not changing. Like, mm-hmm. his is changing, mine isn't yet. What does that mean?
3: Yeah, there's a lot going on and yeah. not really any way to kind of understand it well. And um, so I started feeling a lot of anxiety during puberty. And and it wasn't... Um, And I just didn't have any of the knowledge or terminology to verbalize kind of what I was feeling well. I didn't know that. I didn't know what transgender meant. I didn't know kind of just like that whole, the realm of that. And then when I started learning about that, I was like, oh, I connect with these other people who are trans. I connect with these experiences. I now, I see the, I, um, have found this visibility and, like, I finally see myself reflected through other people. I'm not alone with this. And now, and and I transitioned, like, um, within the binary in the beginning. I, I was, um... Presenting as a girl and then when I transitioned I was identifying as a man and male and and now it's kind of um, I definitely identify within the masculine spectrum and that and that side of things but and I identify certainly um, As male and a man when when I need to when I'm kind of like pushed to identify within the binary, but I think what's more important now is like, as I've transitioned and um, how I live now, I feel the way that I did when I was younger, where I'm just kind of like genderless and I'm fluid and I'm free. And I don't have this, I know what I like, and I'm not having this overwhelming pressure to strictly present toward one direction or another. I'm gonna, I, I have the ability kind of to embrace and chase what feels the most like me. Um, and like, I know that can be like really, really confusing because it's so, it's a lot easier, I think, to wrap your head around trans people if they are transitioning from one side to the other. But I'll be honest, like, (laughs) I never really even thought about gender and now don't even think about gender until somebody else asks me about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have this kind of strict visualization of what something looks like in reference to myself i don't feel that strongly in my heart that like i'm the essence of a man or represent that or represent kind of that side of the binary um but i but i do feel that way about masculinity and they're different Mm. okay yeah because it's um it, like, within gender, you have, like... And you're identifying with the binary. You have um, your gender identity within the binary. Man, woman, girl, boy. But um, even more fluidly, you have gender expression. And this is how you present yourself. And and kind of the discussion that people have had about this is, like, how do you know which one? And it's, like... It's kind of like masculinity and femininity are energies that you gravitate toward and you really feel. Um, and I just um feel more connected with a masculine energy than a feminine energy and what i know personally to for for those energies to represent and how they present themselves and um that is also based on just like traditional gender roles and and what we what we've been taught is associated with those mm-hmm. with those sides of the spectrum
0: yeah yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask when you're when you're talking about this kind of evolution of going from one side of the binary to the other and then kind of coming back towards I don't know if centers the right word or just feeling like it's more of a spectrum, mm-hmm. you don't have to be on one side or the other. Um I was curious about your pronouns and why you prefer he him versus they them. I is think- it a mas- is it the masculine energy and connecting with that or is it just
3: I think he him just feels very right versus they them um doesn't to me. It's hard to. It, it's really hard to explain, and I don't quite understand it myself. There's just something that feels very, very comfortable about one over the other, mm. um, and it's the same with she/her pronouns and like, if if I'm identity if I'm like genderqueer or non-binary, like how do how do I know these things? It's like I just like strongly do not feel a connection at all with identifying as a girl or a woman with she, her pronouns, but um, I I feel comfortable with he, him. And I just don't, I don't know, I just don't feel that way about they, them. Mm. Um, It doesn't feel like when I think about they, them, I don't see myself there. Mm. And uh, that's that's kind of the best way I can put it. Um, And it's kind of interesting too. It's like uh, when people, all the people, who troll and 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 say kind of things about like you're not trans, you're not a man, you're you're a girl and I'm like okay, well cool. This is my experience as a girl then. And then they may get heated about that. It's like that that's not you're you're mentally ill and it's like because somehow then like if this is my true experience as a woman or a girl, then maybe that Still disrupts and threatens what they think that should mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I'm not going to fit into that box that you have in your mind no matter what. So, Yeah,
3: yeah, so it's like, okay, um, cool. Then this is the experience that a girl can have and they can, and that's valid. And this is what it can look like because I'm currently living it, it's not false. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I know I shouldn't be... I, I'm not surprised. Like, I, you know, of course, um, we see this all the time. and There's so many people out there that are as close-minded as the people that you're describing. I just still, even though I've seen it so many times, I still don't understand what they're so threatened by. Like, I, I just don't get why or how in any way it's about them. It, it just I doesn't... think
3: it usually has to do with it feels like a threat or they feel an intense insecurity about um their own identity because if we are disrupting these hardened lines of what something means, then that threatens like does this mean I'm not that?
0: Mm. And, it's a, in- that sec- so and it's a deep insecurity. and it's a deep insecurity
3: with themselves. And like um that's that's kind of the only thing that I can can ever really understand is like, if we're disrupting the lines of what a man can be, like they they no longer feel empowered by this identity that they are mm. since like, it means that men can be soft. It's like, no, men need to be stronger or, or, or kind of traditional gender roles like that. It's just like, um, it changes the importance of certain things to them. And that's a threat.
0: That's really well said.
3: Um yeah i was I was actually scrolling through through Instagram the other day and the um there there's a post that came up it was one of um all's posts and I made the bold decision to go into the comment section and was a lot of joys it was Real? a lot of joys and I was
0: about climbing as gay
3: instantly tired <laughs> and and tr- I think the trolls
0: really came out for that one I yeah.
3: think it's important to talk about because. Something that I see continuously is why do we need to speak about this in climbing? Why does it need to be a part of climbing? Totally. Why do we need to like... Can't um, we just
0: keep it out of climbing? Can't we just can't keep we it out, out of climbing? climbing? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And And simply put, like, it needs to be... We need to have these conversations on climbing and it absolutely has a right to be here because... I embody those identities. I'm a part of this community and I'm in I'm within the climbing community. This is me expressing how I feel like I can be in this community and how I can experience it and, and how I can access it. So it's it's it has a right to be here because I'm here and I get why people don't want it here. A lot of people come and climb to relieve stress, to relieve anxiety, to leave the world behind mm-hmm. and do something else. I do. Too, I do that too, um, but we don't. We don't enter the climbing world from the same out that out, outdoor world. We bring different things into it with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we come from different places, so that's why that's why it belongs here. Um, I think. I think people because people come in to relieve anxiety and stress, like. They don't like anything that ruffles that serenity space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, being queer and trans is politicized. That's not my decision.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: These are things that I experience parts of my life. You talk about your life in the climbing community. Why can't I talk about mine? Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, it's like, I, I would love it if it weren't politicized, but we are, it is because there is violence against my community in a way that we do need political help or something to set standards about what is and is not allowed to occur. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, The fact that who I am is even a debate hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the, after I won, I got, I didn't get mini trolls. I'm protected by sexism in sports and masculinity. Um, so it, it would be me being a winner would be completely, completely different if I were a trans woman. Hmm. Um, but there was someone who messaged me or commented on one of my photos and it's like, really, really like, it. I enjoyed watching you on the show. You're a really good climber. I just really wish that you had presented yourself just as an Asian climber and not as a trans climber trying to convert kids to being trans, which is false information. That's not what's happening. But, um, and that just struck a chord with me because here is someone who is actively saying that there's a part of you that's not okay. There's a part of you that's not welcome. There's a part of you that needs to be left at the door. You're not allowed to come in here as who you are. You can come in this space all you want, but there are rules. And that just like it is so rude to ask someone to leave a part of themselves somewhere. Mm. I I it's like and and, and, and the truth is, it didn't surprise me. I've received messages like that. I've received a lot of stuff like that. That stuff doesn't phase me really, but it's just like kind of the audacity to say that I had respect for you, but like, or I'd have more respect for you if you weren't this thing, Mm. but I'm who I am because of that experience, who I show up to be, what I talk about, what I believe in comes from being trans. You like by directly saying that part of me needs to be left at the door. That is saying you cannot be here at all Mm. because you can't be here as who you are.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that.
3: It's kind of like, I don't know. I'm very winded and exhausted by all those comments. Cause it's just like, I bet it's,
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. exactly I mean it's like you're persecuted and it's like people are telling you to like hide aspects of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Can just coming
3: as a climber, just coming as a climber.
1: Yeah. Can I can I circle back to that? <laughs> yeah. So I'll
0: add I'll I'll fill in a little more context there. So, um we recently the nugget climbing recently posted a reel or a short from our YouTube channel on our Instagram about um or from my conversation with Elena Joy where she's talking about she, she says climbing is gay and it's cute and it's a joke. And her point is climbing can be a really welcoming and empowering space for queer folks. Um, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing. I love her, she's amazing. And we just got so many trolls coming out of the woodworks and there were two really common themes. One of them was, can't we just keep it out of climbing? Can't we just go climb? Climbing is simple. Um, and that's a totally false premise. Like you're, you're assuming that, you know, you have this really simple, pure relationship with climbing and therefore everyone else can have that too. Yeah. But if you're a marginalized person and you can't see, or you don't see examples of yourself in the climbing community, or you don't feel safe in climbing spaces that are predominantly white men or, or men, then you can't just go climbing. It's not that simple.
3: Yeah. It's like, why, why am I not out here with the sponsorship? on a mega climbing trip going from one place to another. Cause I am very specific about who I climb with because they create a space that I can be myself. They create a space where I can be, give all of my vulnerability to failing, all of my attention to climbing. I'm not um, directing attention listening around me at the crag about like, is something going to change here? Am I going to be, is, am, am I going to be put in danger? Like, um, I think, I think even if I weren't trans, I'm not the type of person who would kind of just go and find someone to climb with wherever I am. But even more so because I'm trans, I'm, I need to be, I want to be careful about who I'm with. Mm-hmm. I want to be able because if I'm, ta- I'm if I'm around a stranger or someone I don't know well, it takes a very long time to read someone. It's a lot of energy. Like, am I allowed to openly talk about these things that affect my day to day? Like the news that I read is probably very different than the news that you keep up with. And when I see something that bothers me, like, do I am am I able to openly like talk about that and share my feelings and like? Relieve that stress, or um, I just like don't. I I'm not in a place where I feel like I can do that with people that I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have a thought? Your microphone's ready.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know why I put it up to my face. but okay. I'm still just listening. But I'll I'll close
0: the loop on a thought that I had. Okay. So the so yeah that was that was one common theme with the comments that we got from the trolls. The other one was well, does this mean that climb, like if I climb that makes me gay, you know? Does climbing make me gay if I'm a climber? And it's just like, it's what g- are you talking about? Ob- the, the, the trolliest question Ob- of the trolliest. It's just like, like <laughs> so stupid. Like obviously not. You are whoever you are and climbing doesn't change that. And that's not, that's so obviously not what this conversation is about. Yeah,
3: like, unless yeah. if you are, if you are not in, like infatuated or in love with someone of the same gender as you, you are not gay. Like, <laughs> that's what it
1: is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, It feels, well, like a little bit ago you said you spoke so, like, accurately and wisely to why you think people are so threatened by, yeah. like, your presence and, and just, like, you know, the like defining characteristics of your person and and um i was like wow that's that just feels so accurate but it really does feel like a lot of it feels like a conversation about identity and labels and words really you know it's like we're we we define ourselves by these labels and we think that you know it has to like it has one definition to us and and um yeah it's just so funny it's like if you people think you're trying to like change the definition of something for them and then they're just so threatened by that yeah it's so weird like it's it's just a word or it's just it's like i don't know it's i guess it's i don't know people are just so threatened by the fact that their their version of something could mean something else to someone else or whatever i don't know it's just
0: do you think it's because most people don't have a deep connection with themselves like, they just have a simple list
1: of identity Well, I think it's, it's what Kat says. It's just, like, people have their own insecurities, you know? And I think that... I don't know. I think pe- I think it all stems from people's own insecurities, probably. Mm-hmm. It must. But it's, it's... Yeah, it's infuriating that people just react the way they do. I think
3: to some degree, it can also be this, like... Even if you don't understand it, we're all performing. We're all, like, following rules or Um, in gender and, like, careers and life. We're all kind of, like, following these um, constructed ideas about where we should go to be successful, uh, things to kind of, like, put us in this place of where we want to be. And if we have someone coming along who's maybe— who's potentially, like, suggesting that, hey— or showing us, I can be exactly there, too, and I didn't have to do that. There can be a jealousy factor. Mm. There can be an insecurity of just, like, but I'm doing, but I've done, like, I, d- I don't understand. Um, like, th- these are the rules. This is what makes sense of how to get there. Like, how can you come along and say that you are also there if you didn't do that? Um I think it can people can feel devalued, be where like all of their hard work or where they are um, means something different if someone comes along and shakes those waters and those hard rigid lines, um, and and it again all comes from like insecurities of like and needing to feel comfortable and needing to feel situated in who we are and where we are and um, understanding what we have done to get there and, or what we need to do to get where we wanna be. And frankly, like, what can we believe if someone comes along and suggests that everything that we know might not be totally true?
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny how much empathy you can have for these people and they just like don't extend it in the opposite direction at all.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I always try and come from like... Um, and it, and it's also no,
0: I'm not gonna go down that road. No, no <laughs> not go down that red. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think I think something I've learned, um, and I'm really lucky. Like I I don't have to deal with a fraction of the trolling that I'm sure you do. That um, you know the women that I talk to you on the show mostly do. Like some of the some of my friends, some of my 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 female friends um, who are professional climbers, or you know, just have a, a big presence on Instagram in the climbing space. Like it's, it'll never cease to amaze me at the the difference between mm-hmm. what types of stuff that they receive versus me. Um, so I'm lucky in that way, but I do get some trolling just because I have a platform now. And I think the thing I've realized is like, there are, what's up? Oh, a piece of grass I've, I've just, just fell from the part tree. Of its, like, yeah, I think they're oh, making okay. it. Uh, someone, <laughs> are we in the, we in the poop fire zone? No, I think uh, I it was yeah. one of
3: those okay. pieces of, yeah, if I get pooped on, it's fine. For their, for their little nests.
0: <laughs> Please continue. Uh, I was just going to say like, there are places where you can make change, and there are places where it just doesn't make sense to put in the energy, I think. Like, Instagram, in my experience, is not a place to try to change people's minds. I don't know why it's so different than other places. Um, And I'm sure there are people that see, you know, clips and then discover the podcast and that leads them to falling in love with someone like you. And like they hear a personal story and they connect with it and, and they crack open and, and that's what I hope for. But this medium, I love this medium because, because that can happen here and all those, all those labels and um, and boxes that we put people in fall away when you hear a person's story. But on Instagram, nuance just doesn't work. And like it, you know, like you can't have a sixty second reel that says climbing is gay, and here is this funny, you know, like cute thing from Elena. Like that, just it, it just it just brings out the trolls, and it brings out people who just want to be noisy and, and loud and annoying. Yeah, they want to be heard. They don't want to have and a conversation.
3: That, and the more you deal with it, the, the better you get at being able to ferret out kind of like who's worth creating a conversation with. Um, you have those individuals who genuinely do have an intent to learn and just maybe kind of don't know how to respectfully ask that or are using kind of outdated term- terminology. Um, but, th- but you can like sense like this person Wants to have a conversation, wants to know, and mm. we can have a respectful conversation here. Then you have the individuals who are just trolls, not, you know, you may reply to them and then they just troll back and you're like, this is wasted time. And then you have the people who may be trolls, but through your inner, but are still replying and through their interactions, like you know that they're not going to change their mind, but you also know that other people are reading the comments too. And mm. who you can actually speak to are the people who are reading the comments who may not feel comfortable enough commenting or asking those questions. And you can be speaking to them.
0: Mm. Um, That's a cool way to think about it. Speaking
3: to them, like usually kind of what I like to do is one, I, I always try and be respectful, um, and, ex- and extend respect and recognize them as like, this is another person, like giving their time, whether they're putting, they're most likely not putting as much emotional energy into this as I am because I care about it a little bit more. But, um, if, if we're just screaming at each other and calling each other names, nothing's ever going to get solved. Like you can't, you can't hear anybody in a screaming match. Um, but... What I, what I like to do in those situations is like rather than bring in your own personal story, you, you can bring a little bit of that in, but give them stats, give them facts, direct them to research that exists, reputable research. Um, and as well as like what I like to kind of bring up are um, just, just maybe asking them a question that can trigger a, a thought that they may not have encouraged before about like, well, if this is kind of what you said, what about this? And then it can like, make them like, maybe sit and think for
0: a little bit. Mm. And, th- and
3: and not just them, but the people who are reading as well.
0: Mm. Is there a stat or a fact that you wish everybody knew? <sighs> um, I think, well, th- this
3: one seems, you know, people are gonna think it's like, well, of course, but people forget. Um, trans people are humans. So, we're living, breathing people. Um, Our humanity is often stripped of us uh, through news, through media, through the way that trans people are talked about, where it hyper-focuses on medical transitions or bodies. It just like completely objectifies and dehumans them as a person. Mm. Um, I think another really, really kind of good statistic that is helpful to to understand is that in 2020, GLAAD did a survey and found that 80% of Americans had never met a person that they knew to be trans before. Um, And that, that goes for cis people, but also trans people as well. So that means that everything you know about a trans person is coming from the media, through fictional storytelling, through nonfiction, through news, and, and because of that, your entire perception of who trans people are is, is being constructed by that. Mm. Um, and historically, trans representation in the media tells one storyline. Um, often it's a storyline of trauma. Often it's a storyline of violence. Often it's a storyline where the trans people are the perpetrators of violence. Mm. So when that's all you know who trans people to be, that's what you come to expect, you will unintentionally or intentionally make choices based on that. And that's where I find it's like really helpful to kind of actively just like diversify your circle of who you get information from, like not just for trans people, but people of all, all marginalized groups, um, and that—that's like one of the positive things about social media—is just like the accessibility to different people's stories is just like so much easier now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's—I I think it's hard to like—it's only the most like cut off, resentful people could possibly hate someone once they actually know someone deeply. Mm. And I think that like it is an issue of like isolation and you know i think a lot of the people who think that they you know hate or are afraid of certain groups like they i just yeah i mean they don't know they don't know anyone mm-hmm. who 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 represents those groups and like i don't know it's just i feel like it's people you know people who live in isolated communities mm-hmm. and they just get all their news from channels like Fox News or something. Totally. I mean, who knows, you know, it's yeah. just like, I can only imagine, but it just feels like it's impossible to hate someone if you if you know them deeply. And not yeah. even
3: just like isolated communities, but very homogenous communities, because mm-hmm. you have power over, like with today's access to stuff, you have power over what you intake, what you read. Mm-hmm. Um, what you choose to um, consume, mm. you have a lot of choice in that. And then if you're actively like not choosing to kind of diversify that or listen to other people or you're being very selective on what types of those stories you are listening to, then that's that's still going to contribute to like a, a very one-sided perception of a, of a community. Um, I think that's something that like I try and be mindful of it's I I give you who I am and like, I, um, and and it's what you get, but a lot of people may reach for my story because to them, I am a palatable trans person. I don't Mm -hmm. like, I can identify within the binary. I can, um, I can be compartmentalized into the binary. I don't ruffle those feathers as much as maybe like an androgynous person or a non-binary person with a beard or something like that. Um, So I I can be easier for you to consume, sure. But if but but you have to be very careful about like okay if this is this is like the rules for being trans this is the the role model for being trans cuz it's it's not that mm. um trans is a identifier to tell you of someone's experience but it shows up in so many different ways and expressions
1: mm-hmm. and it wouldn't even have to be like a huge issue if people didn't make it a huge issue yeah i mean it's like the reason that people need, you know, I think the reason, part of the reason that people need like to state that and stuff is for other people. And like for, yeah. I mean, for a lot of reasons that you stated already, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you had conversations like where people softened and like where people sort of, Became more amenable to like your humanity and the humanity of probably trans people. And yeah, I'm sure I, they don't, yeah, they probably don't stand out as strongly Mm. to me as
3: the people who are very like rigid and aggressive. Mm. Um, but I've had great conversations, conversations with people. Um, a dear friend of mine, Skylar Baylar. Um, he's a great resource at pink man array on Instagram, but he just put out some, some content of him talking with uh, a pastor about being trans and kind of just like correcting some of the false information. And, and that, and it was a very respectful conversation. And that, that pastor was like, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know Mm. this, Mm. like, um, I recognize, or is like I recognize that, like, kind of what I've what I've been told is not totally true. Like, um, that's a lot of like what we're experiencing with the legislation right now, and the anti-trans legislation is a lot of it is. Uh, there's a lot of false information about what exactly gender affirming care is, mm-hmm. and specifically what that entails for children, mm. um, because based on the way the news is, people are kind of being told that it means that a 10-year-old trans person is going and getting surgeries, which is not true. That's not the proper gender-affirming care at that age. Um, For them, it means just like, all right, we're going to allowing... It's just social, like using their name, using their pronouns, allowing to express themselves the way they are. When they start puberty, it means, okay, maybe they'll go... They're not starting cross-hormone therapy yet. They're going to be going on puberty blockers, which cis children use who start... Um, when they start puberty too fast mm. for their peers, um, and so it slows it down and allows them to experience those changes as as their peers are, and then once they get a little bit older, then they can go into cross hormone therapy, surgery, and, and and those kind of things. Like there, there's medical, like actual certified, like medical research on it. Like gender affirming care is backed by every major medical association in the in, in the states and stuff. Um, but there's this wealth of false information mm-hmm. that's being spread about what it is. And then through that, people aren't actually looking into what that means.
0: Right. Yeah. People think that you're, that, it you know, if this legislation passes or if certain legislation passes, then a 10 year old kid can get permanent life altering you know whatever it is hormones yeah. or, or something which like at, at the that earliest
3: age. like may happen at like most surgeons at least for top surgery won't perform under 16 mm. like I had mine at 16
0: mm-hmm. this is gonna go way back in our conversation but I was curious when you were talking about your upbringing I, I would love to hear more about your parents why do you think where did their philosophy of their parenting come from why do you think they were so open to letting you just have whatever experience, mm-hmm. it, it, whatever experience you wanted to have? And then, what was it like to come out to them?
3: Yeah, um, both of my parents are extremely supportive, and um, if there were any hesitations, like they didn't kind of bluntly uh, show those to me, they just went off. Like my mom when I when I came out to her, went off and did her her own education to learn more about it, mm. um, but she didn't say like no you're wrong that's false we need to get you help or anything like that um i think what what both of my parents wanted and what their goal was was to um, was to bring up a healthy happy child and i'm not exactly sure what my dad's role was because I primarily lived with my mom um, in, in those decisions of like how, mu- how much we we let those what we let those things happen. But um, it was very clear that I was much, much happier and more myself when I expressed myself in certain ways. There was um, my mom tells me that after my grandfather's funeral, she we, we went shopping for funeral clothes and she was really hoping I was going to wear a dress and like um I tried one on and then she looked at me and she was just like oh no this is you were I just saw you were just such a you were so unhappy mm. um the and it, and it was almost like this is this is not my child mm. um and that's when it was kind of like I hadn't been wearing, I hadn't had a um, I had kind of had an aversion to skirts and dresses for a while before then. Like I stopped wearing dresses when I was like three. Um yeah, it just became clear that there was an emotional change when I was not um did not feel like myself, did not feel like I could be myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And It was their decision that like, we don't want that to be my, be my experience. Mm. They want me to be happy. And I, it was very clear what made me happy and what didn't.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cool. Credit to them. Yeah. I kind of laugh because I was just thinking of my little niece, Finley, my little three-year-old niece. And she gets to pick her own outfits a lot of the time. Or like if she, if she, you know, if my sister tries to pick for her, then she just throws a fit. You know, uh-huh. so she just wears whatever she wants to wear. But I, I just love kids at that age and how they express themselves. You yeah. know, like I want to wear that swimsuit with that striped T-shirt. And over you can it look at and... them
3: and be like. <laughs> You know, we'll say yes, but we'll we'll pack the other one in case. Yeah. <laughs> the,
0: or or just like, you know, they'll you learn. Might, you might get cold in February wearing that swimsuit yeah. and a tutu, but we'll just pack your little. Teach them
3: young. They'll jacket. learn. <laughs> and and I think in general, just like with with the whole of like this this stems back to just gender roles and um kind of where we are now and how things are encouraged, there's like Kids are a sponge. They soak up so much stuff. Mm. And there, there is like a, a specific age when what we encourage and what we discipline changes between if they are a boy or a girl. And that can have resounding impacts on who they are and later in life mm. and what they feel like they can do later in life. Mm. Um, I think one of the greatest examples of that is sports. Um, there's this forever argument about like, you know, you have amazing women athletes who are fighting for equal pay, equal rights, um, equal care. And everyone's just like, no one watches women's sports. Why should we equally invest in women's sports and all the, and and all these other things. And like, there, there is an extreme, uh, there, there are high, high extreme levels of sexism in, in the basis of sport. And so much of that comes from the belief that people assigned female at birth are inherently inferior to those assigned male at birth. It is like by birth dictated that someone with ovaries will never be as strong as, or be able to perform to someone with testes. And we know that to be false. Mm. but and and there's been science on that too um but because it's so ingrained in our society and our system and how there's no way we can test it because in order to test it we'd have to go back for they'd have to be raised in a in a non-sexist world Mm. Mm -hmm. um, where like again starting from young young ages there isn't this Strict change on what we encourage and what we don't encourage based on gender. Right. Um, like, would it be different if there was no glass ceiling at all? Probably. If we equally invested in, in them from the start, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and I've thought about it, like directly to climbing too, and and the and the difference between that because there's no like. I don't know if if you you can't really you'd have to literally just measure performance by measurable metrics. Then you couldn't be able you wouldn't be able to like do it based on who's getting first ascents, who's climbing outside, because the big the biggest performance difference that I see between the men and women elite athletes in our sport are the height disparities. Because you have like, and I know this as like a younger uh, or as a smaller climber, like. The average heights like there's a significant difference of that um i feel i don't know if i were to go put up something that says like v16 then a six foot person comes and may be able to reach all the way through it unless if it's literally some like ass dragging route where they just like can't create the tension or the compression but i i, I don't know I'd i'd be interested to kind of like know your thoughts on that about like what actually kind of separates the the measurable performance level between our 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 female and male athletes? Like, is it is it like simply strength, or like I mean, you have Alison Vest who like has the strongest fingers in the world, Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's interesting, um, like in terms of what's measurable and what isn't. I, in climbing, it's like So, like, the, you know, the apparent level or whatever is so um, almost equally matched, Mm. like, relative to other sports. In climbing, it's, I mean, you could put the World Cup women finalists on the same boulders as the men, and they'd probably do really well. They'd probably do almost as good as the men. I'm sure there's, like, a... You know, that glass ceiling is like a huge psychological barrier. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that has like a lot to do with it, actually. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm sure just like the support, like you said, and just like this, this sort of conscious or subconscious bias against, against like women, women athletic, like women's athletics. Um, and just like how, how heavy of a weight that is on like, yeah, on just like women, women's athletics and stuff. Like they have, they have like such, such higher like psychological hurdles, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, we don't, we don't have a great way. It would be, it would be really interesting to like to just like combine every person in World Cups for a couple years and see what happened because maybe you know, maybe Yanya Gambre would like win every every World Cup regardless of who's in it. You know, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm.
3: that'd be amazing to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I think. That, that that's just something that I've thought about lately. Of just kind of what what is this thing that really separates and warrants this mm-hmm. gender difference? And like, I mean, I think it we we it, it it'd be interesting for climbing to see. Um, and it gets, and I've peddled with the idea about um we have some like gender neutral like trans inclusive comps and stuff. Um. Or there's a non-binary category or another category, but I would really honestly be interested in seeing something separated by height and mm, the next, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah, be five an, five be or cool. five six below, yeah, like five
3: six and above, and see what that looks like and how that plays out. As I'm, of course, one will probably just be based on average heights and stuff lead toward certain genders already, just because. But I think like that would be really, really interesting to Mm -hmm. kind of just see that as an as an experiment as a Mm -hmm, test run of mm -hmm. like oh like because i mean like i primarily climb with women um it's more fun for me to do that because we're similar height we'll have similar betas and um it's we all climb the same we all climb at different grades different difficulties like that was kind of and it and it's and, and everyone is uh, has their own ways of approaching things and their own ways of doing things and have really figured out how to work with what they've got. And it's mm-hmm. really fun to kind of... Um, and it makes you a better climber to to climb with different brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's just something that I've, like, thought about because um, w- with heights and, and the differences there, like, I'll, I've when I watch videos of, like, you know, Burden of Dreams and stuff, and these guys, I mean, Sean Raboteau is a little bit of an outlier because he's on the shorter side, but they're he's also just an outlier because he's an outlier. But uh, they're, like, pretty extended on that kind of stuff, and I imagine if maybe, like, what that would look like if Alex Puccio or Brooke, like, would it be physically possible for them? Or, and, and understanding kind of just the, almost the aggression of, like, well, if they did that move, like that move's probably it's going to be equally hard, but it may just as well be harder. So, and that's just where we get into the subjectivity of grades,
0: right? Totally.
3: Yeah. Um, and and how much salt we
0: we give that fish. But, one thing, one thing I love about outdoor climbing, about rock climbing in our system, climbing's the best. <laughs> so many intermediates. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just love that, like. You know, nature nature just presents you with everything and you th- there kind of always will be things at all difficulty levels that favor the whole spectrum of types of bodies, you know? Like I'm thinking of, um, and not not to blast her, I don't think she's shared this publicly, but apparently, you know, Brooke Rabbitou had a session on box therapy and like almost did it, mm-hmm. like got really close in a session, you know, V16, and it seems like it just fit her box really well and she's strong as fuck. And yeah. it's so... There you go, and I, I love that. Like, if she does that, that's V sixteen, and Live and Large is V sixteen. They're totally different rock climbs, but like, she gets the same stamp of you know of success and achievement as any other V sixteen that's climbed yeah. by any other body size. So I, I I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a you know, climbing has predominantly been explored and established by guys who are probably like a roughly my size. So mm-hmm. I'll probably always have like more to choose from than than other um, you know, if, if you're in the center of the bell curve, you're probably always gonna have more problems to choose from than if you're, you know, six foot five or or yeah. five foot like you. But there always will be amazing problems that like suit your box yeah, really well. Absolutely. And I I love that. I think it's mm-hmm. so cool. And in a place like this, you can, you can just go find them because they're they're out there,
3: and luckily here they're all like pretty high quality. I feel like elsewhere and like other places, you might be climbing some choss. So some some rock
0: types definitely yeah. aren't, aren't <laughs> great across the whole spectrum. That's for sure. So it's like
3: yeah. I can go do this like V sixteen thing that fits me, but it's a load of it's 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 not one of them
1: like five star classics. <laughs> totally. Box therapy does look like a five star. It classic, does. Though. Yeah, it looks yeah. amazing.
0: It's yeah. amazing. All right, should we break? Sure. Cool. Okay break break (laughs) break and we will be right back this episode is brought to you by rumple My Rumpel Blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Check out this story. On a surf and ski trip through California, the founders of Rumpel got stuck in the back of their car in freezing temperatures and had to bundle in their sleeping bags and sip whiskey to stay warm while they waited for rescue cozy and warm in their sleeping bags, they realized they were even cozier than they typically were in their beds at home. The idea for a sleeping bag blanket was born. Rumpel's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water repellent finish. So it's water resistant, stain resistant, and odor resistant. This thing is the best. As I said, it's the coziest blanket you could ask for. Perfect for staying warm at the boulders or at the crag. Great for camping, I have one in my van and use it all the time. And just great to have around the house. It'll be your new favorite blanket, full stop, whatever the circumstances. Go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. And now back to the show. Should we move into rapid fire questions? Sure. (laughs) We can do these, maybe we can do these round table if other people have answers too, or you can just answer them. Okay. We can just go down the list. What is one of the best decisions you've ever made? Transitioning. Boom. (laughs) Do you have one?
1: The best decisions I've ever made?
0: Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't really make decisions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just do. Life just happens to you. Life just happens. (laughs) Great. I think mine was starting this podcast. Nice. Um what are you proudest of in general?
1: Um, or or in climbing. Yeah.
3: It's a hard question. Um I feel like it's 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 ever growing, ever changing, but I'm proud of how I show up just in, in my day-to-day as who I am, of what I'm passionate about, of how I put energy into that passion. And if I'm not proud of how I'm showing up in that particular moment, I'm proud of the motivation and the intention I have behind where I wanna be, mm. I think.
0: Awesome.
1: Ethan, yeah, do you have I like, one? I like that answer. Me too, that was a great um, answer. What am I most proud of? Mm-hmm. Um. hmm I don't know again I'm just like life's just happening to me. <laughs> I mean I think that like my my personal philosophy about like per, like just for myself like earning or um I don't know I'm just I everything that I have like my my character my like psychological makeup my genetics like everything that I possess both like material and otherwise it was like a gift for me. You know, a un like the universe gave me the the gifts that I have that I can share with other people. And so I don't know. It like in a way I feel I have this funny feeling like I haven't earned anything. Mm.
3: But like, it still takes a certain level of awareness and character to do what you're doing and figure out what to do with what, what you have.
2: Mm-hmm. I think.
3: Even yeah. If you, if you have everything laid laid out in front of you like everyone's gonna interact with that differently yeah um and i think like that can certainly be something that you feel good about um is just like like not like you acknowledge your privilege and just like what you do with that or like what you've been able to make with that or yeah or
1: anything like that i mean i think that like i i'm really grateful when i get like positive feedback about like the stuff that I've shared on social media or otherwise, like on this podcast has been like, you know, has made people feel like more, you know, less isolated or mm-hmm. like has resonated with people or made mm-hmm. people made people like allowed people to feel like feel okay with not feeling okay or whatever. And um, I don't know, hopefully, I'm a kind person. that's you are like, you you, <laughs> you are. yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's as good as I could possibly hope. That's awesome, yeah, I mm-hmm. think I'm also proud of. Planning my dad's memorial. Mm. This yeah, this year. Yeah, and like how how beautiful that that day came together, and mm. yeah, how grateful I was that everyone like showed up the way they did. Mm-hmm.
0: He would be proud of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about
1: you? Um,
0: I'm gonna go with the first answer that came to mind, um, which is. I'm I'm really, I guess, I'm re- I'm really proud of myself for kind of relentlessly pursuing a life that I really wanted, even when I didn't know what that was or what it might look like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just kind of kept going towards it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, con- I wasn't content. I didn't give up. I didn't like, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, just say, well, this is probably as good as it gets. I was like, no, it's got, there's got to be a way mm-hmm. to have a more fulfilling work life and the better balance of um of work and life and how i spend my time and who i spend it with and i'm gonna find it i'm gonna figure that out you know and um yeah i i think i think it showed me that um i think i was hung up on like which direction to go in for a long time but i think I just had to keep taking steps and mm-hmm. they didn't have to be in the right direction, mm-hmm. you know, and you mm-hmm. kind of like rule things out along the way and eventually mm-hmm. find which direction to to head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's an act of bravery for sure, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good it job. also shows a lot
1: of just love mm. and devotion to yourself. Mm. Yeah, and your vision. Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose so. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> what frustrates you?
3: Mm. <laughs> Setters who don't put feet for short people. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> just, it's like, if the tall climber is going to use it, they're probably <clears throat> like, um, you know, like advanced or skilled enough that they wouldn't need it anyway. They're just... They have enough experience that they see the foot and have the skills and the technique that they're able to use it, and it makes it easier for them. But you know what? It makes it possible for the short person. So there's no reason not to have more feet for short people on climbs in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: it's irritating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. I know, like, when, when nature discriminates against certain... (laughs) <laughs> types of there's nobody climber bodies, there's no one to get mad at, but when it's but when it's man-made or or, or you know person made, it's just like that's why God I love
3: it. outdoor climbing. All the intermediates give me all the feet I could ever want. It's like, you know, sometimes those feet are real bad. Sometimes those hands are also real bad. Mm-hmm. But I like the option. Mm-hmm. I like it that I have the option to commit to terrible things or
1: not. Mm-hmm. How did you find the s- style in Rocklands? Because I know a lot of oh. people talk about like how there's a lack of intermediates and it's like, it, I think that, you know, half the half the time I'm describing a problem to someone that they want to try, I'm like, it's easier if you're tall. Like, yeah,
3: I think all the climbs that I've gotten, it, gotten on, like there's been options mm-hmm. or if there haven't been options, I've been able to work with them. Like, mm-hmm. um, I feel like sometimes they're is a grade cutoff, or, and it's definitely present in the gym when things are just like, you're just shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can curse on this podcast. Sorry. Um, yeah. but
1: I
0: think it's funny that you said
1: that now, <laughs> <laughs> like two hours. In. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. It's welcome. But, uh,
3: I, I've, I've, yeah, I've been able to fit in the box. Like, um, I, th- I think that's something that's really interesting to me. Like, one of one of the climbs that I, or the first climb that I got super, super, like, beta nerdy about was um, No Redemption in the Red River Gorge. And it was the first climb, like, yeah, you had to be beta intensive about your hands, but also your feet. And it was so kind of bizarre to be climbing something where there were so many things ticked because you had to find exactly what fit your box, Mm. um, which was kind of cool. But in the Rocklands, like so far, like I've been able to, to make a lot of stuff work. And sometimes that involves like maybe, yeah, you want to find a better foot or the better foot is like, you can kind of make it work and, and then just, or like if, if you don't have many options committing to maybe the thing that's, not necessarily the easier way, but it's still possible. Mm-hmm. And you, and just like committing and trying hard and to, to that commitment.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 It's always hard to know when to switch yeah. to that. Yeah. I like, I tend to really beta nerd as my default. And I have to, I have to make a conscious decision sometimes to like, this is, this beta will work. It's good enough. Maybe it's not the easiest way or something, something about it feels awkward or weird, but you just, Use it, do it, you know, you can do it. Just try yeah. hard. I think it's Make helpful it also
3: just like, and, and and honestly, I think that would be what what my greatest skill is that I'm just like very adaptable both in climbing and both in my um just day-to-day life. Like I like structure. I like, you know, easy to do, how to how to do instructions and things like that. But if, if something were to go haywire or um, I need to change something on the cuff, I have the ability to do that and the ability to <laughs> usually do it well um, or well enough that it's sufficient and um, it may not be ideal but just being open to that it, it can get you through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and then like um, I think that helps with like I have a lot of skills and techniques built um, and I and I, I read beta really well and if I don't be, read beta really well I can come up with a lot of different things to try. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just like tunnel visioning on on one specific thing. Yeah. Like when I was doing deception, and I was trying to figure out how to get get up through the top the top part of it. Like, let me tell you, this is a slightly overhanging, nearly vertical wall. I was trying to see if there was any way to do a toe hook or a toe scum on it <laughs> because I like those. I was looking for any little thing that was existing. Like, you know, it may be silly, but sometimes like silly can work
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure I love when silly works for Yeah, sure. so satisfying I did a sick toe hook on the crux of vicious fish wow Yes, yeah. nice. it's like smith it's
0: like just over vertical mm-hmm. I was toe hooking like a little knob like a little <laughs> less than one inch it makes well, you feel knob. so cool
3: when you it's make something yeah. like,
0: like that work it was a like game changer it worked so well and then I yeah other people started using it too
1: nice wow yeah
0: I so. probably wasn't the first but yeah um, what frustrates you do you have things that come to
1: mind? Um, I think the two things that I'm most frustrated by in life are probably people's lack of awareness and people's lack of understanding for other people. Mm. I think those are the two most frustrating things. Mm-hmm. We have an empathy
3: problem as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a species. Yeah.
1: <laughs> big, <laughs> big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I mean, I think like it bothers me to varying degrees on like a personal level, but I think yeah, like worldwide, it's it's a very very big problem. Yeah, and for just sure. like the illusion of separateness, mm-hmm. and I think that that has that's like a big contributor to. I don't know. It's just like <sighs> people are too busy covering up all of their themselves with whatever with busyness or or hate or um you know surface level crap to like cultivate stillness and cultivate awareness and then they just like that just doesn't extend for other people Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that's frustrating yeah yeah for sure share
0: that one i have a i have a climbing one and a non-climbing one your cat's answer made me think of uh the climbing one which for me is uh little slots that my fingers don't fit into (laughs) (laughs) they're so frustrating and i'm getting a lot better i'm a lot less frustrated about it than i used to be i used to like i used to really get frustrated and now i'm a lot quicker to move to acceptance Mm -hmm. like okay this just is what it is nature didn't Nature doesn't have a grudge against it's me. It's not out to get you. Yeah, um, and I just get to choose what to do with it. I either like persist and try to find a way, or I'm, you know, more and more often I'm like, cool, not that into this one. Yeah, next, like, move on to something else.
3: Yeah, I feel like they're 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 still out there, but there's there are a few climbs now where I'm like doing them for like an ego boost or because I'm taking it personally from this literal rock, but you know. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. usually i'm getting much better at kind of like walking away or just seeing where something it's like sometimes I just like it may be doable or evaluating the risk level for me like if 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 this is what the move calls for does it change like I may like be able to do it but does the risk level of me getting hurt change is it worthwhile like pursuing it
0: mm-hmm. for sure. I think Rocklands makes it easier than other places to be like, on to the next. There's, there's so, so much there's, good.
3: There's so much it's, good it's stuff. Endless.
0: You're never going to do them all anyway. So just pick the ones that you actually enjoy. Yeah. Really enjoy climbing on. Um, my non-climbing answer is uh, reductionism. Reductionism really frustrates me when people see a really complex issue or something that's really nuanced or a belief or perspective that's nuanced and they just reduce it down to to one simple thing that it's not. It's just like so lazy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very human. I think we do that with everything. I mean, we talked about it earlier, like seeing, seeing duality and seeing, um, seeing binaries everywhere. Like, I think we do that so that we can get our heads around stuff.
1: Yeah. For um, sure.
0: Labels too. Labels. Yeah. Like we can just process information more quickly and make judgments about things, which can help us, but can also hurt us and certainly disconnects us from one another and, but yeah, re- reductionism when there's like clearly like a lot of complexity to something and it just gets reduced to one simple throwaway comment. I'm just like, yeah. oh my gosh. It's so
3: annoying. I get really frustrated by um, people like the lack of accountability or people who deflect accountability, mm-hmm. both for negative things and positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if someone mm-hmm. who Attributes their success to one specific thing. Um, that's that's not themselves. Like, <laughs> like uh, me. What?
1: Like me. What?
3: <laughs> um, and and don't and don't acknowledge like that the work that they put in or like yeah I mean you can acknowledge that thing. I'm trying not to bring religion into this. Um, <laughs> you can.
0: Um, it's fair game.
3: Yeah, just like attributing success to one specific thing and not themselves. Like, yes, that can give you the motivation. It can give you, uh, maybe you can't, you do internalize some sort of power that you didn't have before. But I think you're discounting yourself if you don't acknowledge that you still put in a lot of work. It didn't magically happen. Mm. Um, maybe you feel like it wouldn't have happened if you didn't have that outside, um, source, but even if you, it, but you did and you still managed to make it work. Like you, you can, you, you can pat yourself on, you're allowed to pat yourself on the back mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're allowed to give yourself those, those little wins.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah. And, and also just, yeah, the the negative side of like, we, we can't do this because this thing says so or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mainly toward like human rights things. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just not taking like any accountability for like your actions. It's like deflecting it to a higher power. Mm. or
0: right?
1: in, in either circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I um I was just it just brought the thought to mind. I ask people sometimes who they're inspired by. That's like one of my mm-hmm. one, one of the podcast questions that I like, and I think it was Brittany Levitt. Apologies if I'm misattributing, mm-hmm. but I think it was her that I asked her that, and she was like, "Can I say me?" Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, you <laughs> can." That's yeah. sick. <laughs> like we should all do that more <laughs> yeah. often, you know? Like it feels taboo. It feels like you're not supposed to be proud of yourself, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I th- I thought that was such a cool answer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I think I have a hard time with the with the like I'm proud of this or like Mm -hmm. I I think that I can like you know I'm like ooh it feels good to like have a success here or whatever in whatever avenue of my life like with work or with climbing or whatever but I think I am like quick to sort of yeah just view all of my power as like gifts that were given Mm -hmm. to me and I don't know it's 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 hard it's really hard for me to wrap my head around Mm -hmm. like Personal empowerment, if that's mm-hmm. what it, what I'm lacking, yeah. I don't even know if that's exactly what it what it is that I have a hard time like owning up to or whatever. But yeah, mm.
0: yeah. I mean, it's where you're at is like really admirable. It's like way better than the opposite, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you sh- you should be proud of yourself too.
1: I, well, I, I have a, I have like a, I have a difficult disposition with that too, because I also want people to like take responsibility for Mm -hmm. things. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm owed an apology or sometimes I feel like they owe, you know, I I just feel like we would do a lot better with, you know, having more awareness of our own programming. Like you said, you know, the, like the state of American politics Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, I think when people attribute their reasoning for doing the really harmful Things that they do to other people, you know, they do cite a higher power and it's like, that's not really what's happening here. Like yeah. it's just your own programming, it's your own like prejudice and bias and stuff. And, you know, yeah, it's very frustrating, but it's like, I don't even know where I was going with that now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
0: <laughs> take! <laughs> you didn't, take delete. You didn't have to have a <laughs> you didn't have to have a destination. It's okay. Those are good thoughts. Should we move into um, actual rapid rapid fire questions? Yeah, we derailed your rapid, yeah. your Do you, rapid that's fire. okay. lightning Do you yell round. take
3: real? when you're walking and you trip and you're falling. You Definitely. Takes yeah. takes <laughs> universally yeah.
0: um, great great phrase or word, yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure. Or i yell fall. Yeah, I I yeah, I'm, I I'm one of those I I I I Falling. <laughs> when, you trip, when you trip on the curb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going down. When I, so, when, I, when I fall off of, when I'm spotting someone and I have a, I've had so many like falls spotting people. Uh-huh. I've had right, like some yeah. of the worst falls I've ever taken <laughs> climbing were actually falls that I, when I stepped off of a precipice, when I was trying to get, stay under someone when I was spotting them.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you backing up to film? they hand you their phone and you're like, can you film me on this thing? I'm like fairly conscious in in those
1: situations, but for some reason when I'm spotting someone, I just like have total disregard for my own like bodily safety or something and I'm just like, I'm just really quick to just step off the edge of a pad (laughs) platform and just, in Joshua Tree, I like stepped (laughs) on the edge of a pad that wasn't actually supported on the platform anymore and the pad just rose up between my legs and I fell onto it with my crotch first and then just like awkwardly rolled off. And I was like, oh! And Isomer was like up on the wall like about to crux on this climb. And I was like, sorry, dude. (laughs) Alex comes over and just like pats me on the back.
2: Sorry,
1: buddy. When the
0: spotter needs a spotter. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Favorite rock type?
3: sandstone yeah every day
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice mine might be granite actually mm. I've never yeah. climbed granite but just it really sandstone. depends <laughs> it really depends on like I don't I don't love all granite I don't love uh, like Squamish features as mm-hmm. much as like Magic Wood and Leavenworth mm-hmm. features it's, mm-hmm. granite's varied but I think I think granite might be mm-hmm. my favorite mm-hmm. yeah Sandstone's probably a close second.
3: The features that come out of sandstone. It's incredible. The what like, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, the moves and, like, the difference. just, like, it, everything you get from it is so cool. How it breaks apart, how it erodes, just, like, the variance
1: in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of variety to sandstone. Yeah. I mean, it's you've cool. you've climbed on some of the best sandstone in the world. Yeah. In chat, the red, and here. Like, I can't really think of better sandstone areas than those. Mm-hmm. The new, maybe. Right, but... You've probably been there too. I haven't. Right? No. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> I'll
3: make it there someday.
1: You think, live in Chat? No, I live in Louisville. <laughs> oh, you still live in Louisville? I do. Oh,
3: cool. And I've never made it, I haven't made it to the new because it has the exact same climbing season as the red.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. And you yeah. drive
3: past the red to go sure. to the new. <laughs> makes,
0: makes
1: perfect sense <laughs> right? to me. You're so close to the or <laughs> to
0: red. To the the red. List. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The is endless.
3: I'll, I'll make it some... I just need to plan and make an intention like we are going to the new for a week or yeah, whatever. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. If it Maybe. makes me feel any better, I haven't been there either. Yeah. Okay. I've spent one day at Summersville and that was it. So Yeah. yeah. I think
0: limestone sh- like forms... I mean, limestone is just like so convenient for sport climbing. It forms so much good steep sport climbing. Limestone is my but second I, I don't actually like climbing on it. Really? Like I like the roots. I like... Does that make sense? Like it's just I don't know. You is don't it,
1: like the the style. Like the features are on. cool.
0: I like the style. I like mm. the features. Is it just it's like just the, the Slippery, the, yeah. how, how polished mm-hmm. it gets, mm-hmm. the slippery, the way the
1: holds. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Feel. it's either polished or sharp as shit. Exactly. Or both at the same time. Or both. Yeah. yeah at the same time somehow. Exactly. You're like you how you get are up these...
3: into the you get up into the gray limestone where everything is like you're just like on whatever the Spikes. Th- spikes. Razors. And you're just like in yeah. pain. Mm-hmm. Everything's a hold,
1: but <clears throat> everything hurts. (laughs) Yeah. I think limestone was, I don't think I have a favorite rock type. I think I would probably lean towards sandstone too, but I think limestone is my first love Mm. because I was like, you know, climbing on a lot of limestone when I was in my formative years. For sure. Yeah. I mean, granite was probably the closest good rock I had to the Bay Area, but I was like, you know, a sport climber to begin with. So Mm -hmm. I was like traveling to Charleston and rifle and, I don't know. i mean, so, I'm
3: biased towards sandstone for yeah. obvious reasons. I mean, sandstone, when it's good, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> it's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, ultimate dream climb. Mm.
1: Do you mm. have one? I don't know. Really? Is there anything no, in the red some... that you're like, God, I would love to do that someday?
0: Um.
1: Dream big. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, of course, it'd be cool to do like Pure, or any, there we go. or any iconic stuff like that. Um, I'm just—you'd probably be well suited to that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what, what I, I was think, thinking too. Maybe if
3: I had strong fingers, <laughs> do you not?
1: <sighs>
3: they're they're always injured. Um, mm. I've I have some bad knuckles, mm. some bad ligaments and joints. Um, I think. I mean, there there are always things that are cool, like to dream about. Like it'd be cool to do like the nose and and stuff like mm. that. But I think. I think for me, some of that just feels so the same way. Like for a really long time, five thirteen and double digit boulders, it feels so intangible mm. to me that I just like can't seriously think about it. Um, and like, I don't know, might get there at one point and and set my focus on that as a project or something like that. But it's just, it's yeah, it's really hard for me to create some sort of tangibility there mm-hmm. um, because it's all it's also like very different like. Climb, some of my favorite climbs have just, I, I feel like there's a pressure that when you say like dream climbs, you're like looking for limit climbs or something like that. Mm. Um, like dream projects. And and that is like at your limit. And as a, sh- a shorter person, like I have to disregard grades or like approach grades in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how I, I take in that information and, and what I use with it. So... Like, I, I mean, I've, I've done my proudest, my proudest climb was a dream climb for a very long time and that was dog legging and I've done it. So.
0: Sick. Yeah. That's so awesome. now
3: it's just kind of, I, I find stuff that I'm psyched on and I follow that mm-hmm. and that may switch to big wall climbing, that may switch to trad, that may switch to, to bouldering. It, it, I'm just, I really try and always like follow and stoke that psych where, where wherever it is. And like, I know that'll lead me to what I really love about climbing, which is just activating flow state and movement. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
3: that can be on like limit stuff or it can be on like really casual stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I relate to that. I mean, I, I definitely have like kind of ultimate aspirational climbs that when I think of them, I'm like, or when I think, when I ask myself the question, what would be like the sickest thing I could imagine potentially doing in climbing? I have a couple that come to mind. Like, the Wheel of Life and in mm-hmm. the Grampians, you know, is one. Um, <clears throat> or like Just Do It at Smith I've talked about. But it's hard. Those aren't like sustainable sources of inspiration for me. Um, I have to feel at least a sense of plausibility mm-hmm. to really be inspired. Like I'm way more inspired by Black Shadow right now and like this V13 I want to try back in Colorado this fall and like maybe The Vice. i want to check yeah. that out. Because I could like conceivably... I'm not that far off, hopefully, you know, and it, that lights me up, that like lights my fire and makes me want to like level up versus, yeah, when you reach too or when you extend too far, it's just, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't connect with that, Mm -hmm. with that goal Mm -hmm. um, in the same way. Yeah. Maybe that's something to work on. I don't know.
1: It sounds like we're all in the same boat on that though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're the same way. Mm -hmm. I think so. Like I, I got on, I got on Bib a couple times when I was in, say, and I don't know. It's funny. Like I think I'm just always selling myself short, though. Mm-hmm. I think I've like I've told myself plenty of times that this like X Y Z or climb is going to be impossible for me, and then like, self sabotage. I think though it's like in order to sort of start to invest in it, like emotionally and physically, like there has to be some belief that you can do it or mm-hmm. something. Like there has to be like, you have to at least be open to the possibility. And so you won't even make that like initial investment if you're not, if you, if there's not like some belief that you can do it. And I think that's like, that's probably the biggest thing. Like maybe I could do bib if I was just like, I'm all in on this until I do it. You know, I'm there every season training every off season, Mm. then maybe I could do it. But I'm like, ah, it feels so hard. Like it just feels like kind of unattainable. Like, I'd really have to level up and then go back and just see how it felt, but...
0: What about the other 15 Cs out there in the world? Is that Does that seem like the one that inspires you the most
1: or is most your style? Or, what? like, why that one and not Perfecto Mundo, or... I think it's inspiring. It's an inspiring line. I think the fact that I, like, saw it and bolted it is, like, significant. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like, there are others... I don't know. Like, I, I I'm not as inspired by some of the other ones out there. I think like th- maybe there's like some small man-made feel to a couple of the other ones that like kind of detract some stars or it's like the cruxes seem really icky somehow or like their link-ups or whatever. Like I think that one's just more pure and like more stunning or something and mm. kind of like draws me in more. But the boulder is like pretty unpleasant. You know, I think, I think if I was like making it look like the way that Seb made it look, then maybe I'd feel different. Like, okay, this is unpleasant, but I'm like making it look like V4 every time I do it in isolation. But I'm like, I pull on the wall in the middle of the crux and I'm like, how the, f- how does anyone do that? Like, I don't understand. My body just does not like any part of this. My fingers don't like it. My hips don't like it. My shoulders don't like it. But I don't know. I mean, if I had like way stronger fingers and, shoulders and more mobile hips then maybe i would like maybe i would like it more (laughs) goals but um i think like dream climb would be like living large Mm. that's like i think that's like if i could choose one boulder problem in the world to do it would be that one sick yeah i think if i could if i could tick that that buck someday yeah that would be like a like yeah that would be an ultimate ultimate goal we we talked about your goal for the trip
0: on Monday. Yeah,
1: yeah. I still haven't gotten around to Well, it's only been putting a few days on since, it since yeah. you said yeah. that. But yeah. But that one I think for bouldering and then like for for sport climbing. I don't know. It'd probably be bib. I, I I watched that video of them trying that um, project big in Flottinger and that thing looks so sick. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that, that was that's like one of the most stunning lines I've ever seen footage of. And I really like that style, that kind of like really powerful big move like super steep granite style that's almost like sandstone climbing or something. Mm. Um, but... I a mean, cave that cave looks that, amazing. It looks so sick. And like, it's kind of run out. You got to skip a bunch of clips, <laughs> and like, I don't know, it just looks super exciting and it's like, obviously, it's, it's enormous. Um, that looks like a dream line, but yeah, I don't know. I think... There's like a lot of climbs that I'm like, oh, I could like get really psyched and like maybe level up for that, but I'm just not, I think I'm way more picky than I used to be Mm. about like what, what inspires me. You're very aesthetic driven. Yeah. 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 But in Rocklands, I feel like I want to climb everything. Mm. Like everything is cool. Everything looks cool to me. Even the things that are like maybe a little bit shorter, more dumpy or whatever, unless they're like really dabby. Like I want to climb everything. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm you can keep. Inspired, com- you it. just get to keep I, coming back. I can keep coming back forever. forever yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, favorite send reward. Uh might be dicey territory. Might be promoting <laughs> I don't know. With I mean, food, but. I always.
3: I I usually after send or not. If it's a if it's a, if it's a good day, I'll do a, an L eight nice in in the evening nice um, after a day of climbing uh does it have any caffeine it's like it's like a soda i don't know what it's like a ginger ale it's the closest thing it is but it's like the
1: ginger ale i don't
3: think the kentucky version of like a a ginger ale soda but um it's just kind of yeah like tradition in the red and stuff so
1: a late one a late one (laughs) (laughs) it's no other time to have it do you have one uh, send treat or yeah, what Send reward. Send reward. Mm-hmm. Standing on the top and screaming at the top of my lungs <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, a yeah. banshee. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> and then like I, I think like my <clears throat> tradition when I send something meaningful is to buy all my friends dinner. Oh, I love oh, that's that. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I feel like super generous and like it's on me. That's so cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um,
0: I've just been treating myself to carrot cake every night. <laughs> send a message. That's that's my program.
1: Every day you, you send you send life. Send you survive life. the day <laughs> survive every the day. day.
0: Yeah, in Rockland, so made it through the power outages. <laughs> it's time for some carrot cake. <laughs> um, let's see here. How are we feeling? I feel fine. I feel good. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple more. Go to climbing shoes. If you could only pick one pair. Mm. Hmm.
3: Um, do you have shoe sponsors?
0: This is a dicey question. No, I, question. Don't. Okay. Uh, okay, I great. don't.
3: I don't. It's just like I've... Ethan does. <laughs> yeah. this. Is. It's like I climb in different... <laughs> I, I tend to climb in like... I have like different outdoor shoes and different indoor shoes, but like they're both the same versions of each other.
1: What do you mean? Um, Just a baggier version
0: and a smaller I, version I, I cl- or something? It's just, or? Like, I, or you have two of the same pairs of shoes? No, I just, just like... Cl- one I've inside. always
3: climbed in like solutions outdoors and then instincts indoors mm. oh interesting but i i i really like that combo hmm. um
1: I, I You never let your instincts touch the rock or your solutions touch the plastic
3: no no not at all it's just like i just said uh, the way that i've kept them separate because uh um, they don't
0: get
1: along
3: i i, I don't know just <laughs> like, i used to leave shoes at the gym so they, but um it I just, I've climbed in Solutions for a very, very, in La Sportiva for a very, very long time. And then I gave the Instincts a shot because I had heard really good things about them. And the Instincts are like the first shoe that I've ever put on that fit like in all departments. And I was like, whoa. but I still love the solution bubble heel for when you have a really sharp heel hook and you need that added, like, padded protection because mm-hmm. it just hurts so badly in any other shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it was it was interesting. I never really understood the difference, like, the way that people talk about edges or, like, sensitivity in shoes until I, I, I was on the show in the climb and we were in Wadi Rum and I was trying to find... Uh, and, and I actually felt the sensitivity difference between the squamas and the other shoes that I brought. Um, and then I was like, wow, I can actually feel the little ripples of the sandstone compared to the other shoes. So then I kind of understood, but, um, I usually like really kind of like focus on the heel and what the heel can do for me. Mm. Um, so, I mean, like instincts are a very good pair. I love the solutions, as a pair. I love them for the bubble heel. I just, like, have trouble with the heel fitting sometimes. Like, I, it doesn't have that, like, suction cup. I, a lot of the times when I climb, sometimes in the middle of a route, I have to take a pause on a rest and jam my heel into the wall to get it to suction cup. Mm-hmm. Um, But then I've also, like, I've done a climb where I had to do it in the squamas because with the air pocket in the back, like, it was, I was crimping on, or I was heel hooking on a crimp that had a lip, and it had enough of a lip that that air pocket could grab mm-hmm. that lip mm. and serve as like another hand to crank on this heel, mm. um, and like no other heel could like give me that little added thing. You should try so. the drones. I, I, do, I, <laughs> I I've been hearing about the drones and their heels. They
1: have an aid heel. They do. Yeah, I, I've been hearing they, about them. You can heel
0: hook crimps with them. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not like universal. No, I've, I've found. It has to
1: be this like uh,
0: <clears throat> Especially yeah. here I've been noticing like they're not great on everything, but yeah so they're yeah. they're probably. good to have in the in the quiver. We're breaking we're breaking the question, but that's okay. Yeah,
3: probably probably we'll try those out. But usually yeah. yeah, I'd say like either my solutions or my instincts mm. are my go-to.
1: Yeah. Drones high. <laughs> 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 I mean I I like I, I find for um for Rocklands, the Mad Rocks do like work really well for me. Um I think like the the red line straps are really, really good for like smears and like vert stuff. And also edging, like especially right out of the box, they're like really good on for edging. And then the drones are like I can't like imagine a better tooking shoe than that. For me at least. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I can like they've definitely like last year I think I did that black eagle problem in three oh, sessions yeah. and Largely because the drones are just so good at toe hooking. Mm. And I have long legs so I can just like stab into that toe hook from a low position. But um yeah, that was like a game changer on that mm. problem. I love a good toe hook. Yeah. But yeah, there's some other shoes out there that are that are pretty decent too. <laughs> I think like I'm I I rely especially on like longer sport routes or like um vertical sport routes where you're like standing on really small feet for a long time. Like, I don't know. There are certain shoes that that work well for that too, mm-hmm. or cracks. I mean, there are certain <laughs> shoes that work pretty well for cracks that are like some, you know some certain some certain trad climber
0: came up with a shoe <laughs> and had it named after him. might be Might be pretty decent. <laughs>
1: yeah, I actually it's funny because those shoes like they don't really fit my foot that well, but um, man, there there's just no other shoe that comes close to doing what those shoes do. Mm. And I think if I could choose only one shoe it would either be those or, or one of the ones that, that he said. <laughs> <laughs> but the Madrox are amazing. For bouldering they're like they're pretty unbeatable That's I think. Sick. yeah.
0: I think if I had to pick one it would be the solution. The OG solution. Mm-hmm. I've climbed hard boulders in them. I've climbed hard routes in them. They're just like such a good <laughs> <laughs> such a good all-rounder. Um, but I'm pretty sold on the drone comps. Those are like definitely my Yeah. My, my favorite pair of shoes right now.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thrilled about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They've been been rad. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe you just get those and then if the heel doesn't work on a problem, you just shave it off. Right. (laughs) Like Tanner did. Like Tanner did. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed to work. All right. Moving on. Um, Okay. I'll ask these two more fun questions. If you're stuck on a desert Island with a DVD player, do you know what that is? (laughs)
3: Yes, I'm not. I'm trolling you. And and
0: one in one DVD. What movie would you choose and why? Oh man! Mm. (sighs) This is the question you've thought the most about this entire interview. (laughs) I think I'm stumped by this one too. There's just so many. I asked this question I was like doing this um, I was facilitating this like group chat at this uh, retreat back in the spring for Climbwell and uh, someone asked this question and someone goes cast away <laughs> <laughs> nice I was like that's brilliant that's, yeah that's a good that's answer. definitely the best answer <laughs> to that question I feel like I'd want
1: it to be something with a really good soundtrack yeah mm, so mm. I could just like put it on and not watch it mm. and just listen to it I think mine would be A Night's Tale with Heath Ledger
0: Mm. great music rest in peace feel good rest in peace I love that guy so entertaining yeah so feel good it's got all the like feel goods of like a really cheesy sports Mm. movie where Mm -hmm. everything works out in the end sorry for the spoiler if you haven't seen it Mm. there's love (laughs) it's I love it it's great Mm. I haven't watched it in a long time but that might be it Mm. Mm -hmm.
3: one of my favorite movies is Juno I really love that. Mm, movie. So good, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. That that's one. That's a good like feel good movie that I really enjoy. All right. Yeah.
1: No answer for you? No, I, I come on now. <laughs> no, I think it would be a Pixar movie. I'm not exactly sure which one, but Ooh. maybe Toy Story three. Nice. Toy Story three or Inside Out or Soul. Mm. You're just gonna oh, cry. Soul. Was so, soul You're just is so unique. Cry
3: your life away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think How to Train Your Dragon. If I had to go Pixar, I think that might That's be.
3: Is that a Pixar? It's DreamWorks. Damn it! Sorry. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Sorry. Pixar. Damn, you know oh, your you know sorry. your animation maybe, movies. Maybe Shrek Two. Mm. Nice. The second one, yeah, Shrek Two is like real good.
1: Mm. <laughs> I could watching. live out on
3: Jennifer Saunders singing "Holding Out
1: for a Hero" forever. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Is okay, that let's... uh? Is that is that DreamWorks too? <clears throat> yeah. Okay.
0: That's mm-hmm. a good lead-in. Favorite album to listen to on a long drive. Hmm.
3: I'm currently obsessed right now with the cast album of Town. It's a musical.
0: Mm, I, I don't know that.
3: It's very good. Um, but I don't know. I'm just obsessed with it right now, so that's probably why I feel this way. It's like hard to think of... Th- there aren't many albums where I like everything on the album. So it probably would be some sort of like musical because then there's some like assuming I've seen it there's some visual component in my head Mm. as well but
0: that's an interesting yeah that's a that's a clever answer that's interesting yeah
3: like there's a there's a lot of soundtracks to movies that I really love Mm -hmm. and and I do like the the full album of it because there is a Yeah, there's a there's a visual thing to correspond with it. So um, I'm listening. I can listen to the music, but I can also visualize like what's going on during it.
0: Mm -hmm. Hell yeah! Mm -hmm. Does it get you psyched?
3: Sometimes, yeah. It's uh, Some of them are really like depends on the mood, but there's some that are really like uplifting, and you're like jamming. There's, There's like good anthem songs in it, or like it goes with a musical where like. It's all, um, you know. There's some sort of big pivotal. You can, you can experience the climax. You can feel, feel it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you have one? Um, the one that came to mind first was the Better Oblivion Community Center with Phoebe Bridgers and Connor mm-hmm. Overse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and then you were you said the word anthems and I was like maybe it'd be like an arcade fire album or something but mm. yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Mine, I'm obsessed with this album right now. So I I have I'm at Ray? the phase where like, yeah, Ray. I'm at the phase where I'm still obsessed with it and I can't imagine it ever playing out. Yeah. Like all music it probably will <laughs> lose its luster at some point, but yeah, Ray, have you listened to Ray? No. My 21st Century Blues by Ray. Okay. It's one of those perfect albums. Okay. Like I love every song, and it mm. plays like an album. It's like a journey that mm-hmm. you go on with her, and it's just like that's what you feel I feel really, all the feels. It's like man, it gets you pumped up. It makes you like really reflect. It's it's really good. That's
3: mm-hmm. what I really like about Hades Town is that it it feels wrong to listen to the songs individually. Like mm. you have to listen to it all the way through in order because it it really like there are individual songs, but it functions as one very long beautiful ballad. Mm. Um, that's cool and the the music to it is set to a mix between like American folk and jazz music so I just like when you have I'm a sucker for trumpets and violins (laughs) and when you have just like killer instrumentals too I'm like yes
0: love it that's awesome All right, we're coming to the end here this has been amazing really appreciate all your time we yeah the car got stuck in the mud (laughs) you've got a Fucked up ankle. <laughs> you're here. I forgot to press record.
1: <laughs> we'll just throw we'll just slide that one in there.
0: And um yeah, this has been this has been a real gift. I really appreciate it. Thank all you your for time. having
3: me. Thank you for just like inviting me to be a part of it and stuff.
0: Of course. Yeah. I have one more question. Well, no, a couple more questions for you. And This is not a round table because it makes no sense for us to to weigh in on this <laughs> one. Um Yeah, no pressure to answer this, but I, I do want to ask it. I'm curious if you have any thoughts. Is there one thing that you wish everyone knew about the trans experience or about trans stuff in general that you'd want to share?
3: Um, I think the one thing that I want people to know that's often forgotten is that we are human. We are humans just like you. Um, And and it's not that people don't know it, but as I said, it's something that's very, very often and immediately forgotten in the way that like, you interact with people or just, like, kind of the way um, trans people are talked about in the media or or conversation-wise, like, even coming down to very simple things like name and pronouns and why it's so important, it's like, those are the most kind of immediate front way we interact with another human being and it's kind of, like, it frustrates me when people say they don't understand why they're so important. It's like, because it's how you, it's not just how you identify, it's how someone recognize you. It's communicating that this is how someone sees you and acknowledges you and sees you as an equal. And to not try to see them, that's thats really sad. And, and that breaks my heart. Mm. Um, and, and it dehumanizes people. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that of, of all things, like that's really important to know is that like, at the end of the day, we are a living, breathing human, just like you. Mm-hmm. We just happen to be experiencing this life a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. The same way that I, you're probably experiencing something that I'm, I'm not. But... Right. Yeah, that's what that's what also makes it so
0: fat fingers, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's what also makes it so interesting. Um like it, it life would be very boring if we were all the same.
0: Totally. Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate you doing this. Um I sent some messages to you last night and and just let you know like door's wide open if you want to talk about anything, if there's anything that feels important, zero pressure cuz I I never want I always want people to feel welcome to talk about whatever's important to them. But never expected to. I don't want you to feel like you have to come here and educate us two guys about yeah. trans stuff. But you like, it's it's such a credit to um, to your character and and um, and just who you are as a person that you're like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry this mantle and I'm gonna like do really cool shit with it. And um, you're making such an, a powerful difference, and you're. I, I'm sure it's so much more emotional energy to <laughs> to show up and talk about this stuff for an hour than to just shoot the shit about climbing for for a couple hours. And um,
3: I don't know. It's sometimes, like just because I'm so used to it, it feels like talking about trans stuff is easier than talking about the climbing mm. stuff. <laughs> just because I'm used to it. Like yeah. as I was saying, it, it feels like sometimes I'm a broken record. Mm. Um, but well, there's
0: always someone new that's hearing it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, and it's it makes a huge difference. So
3: and in those messages you. you sent me, you asked me kind of the question of like what makes me proud to do this episode or or kind of just like the pride in, in, in being on the podcast. And um, I take representation really seriously um, because I know the difference it can make in how someone sees themselves and some- how someone views themselves. And I take a lot of pride in how I contribute to it Um, I take a lot of care in how I contribute to it. And I'm also just like very proud of not just my contribution, but other people who want to be a part of this conversation and like who have a platform and want to extend that platform to diverse voices. um, Because that means that you see value in what I have to say. You think it's important and you want to amplify it. And that's incredibly important. And that is like, we, as we were talking before, it's like, it can feel like it's so easy. It's like, yeah, well, like, why would I not do that? But it, it means in a lot of ways too, like if, if trans stuff is our controversial topics, like by bringing this onto your podcast, by opening this door, like you're also subjecting yourself to the potential of like a barrage of questions from your viewers, of like negative opinions from your viewers, you are not only am I like wanting to talk about it and taking it on, taking on this responsibility to discuss my community, but like you are also taking on the responsibility of like, or just like opening yourself to being a part of this conversation and creating a platform and all that may come with it. And that can be a really scary thing to do. There's a lot of people, who don't talk about trans stuff because they're afraid of getting it wrong. Mm. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And um, they're afraid of, like, hurting people. But what really needs to happen is, like, even if you say the wrong thing, you, like... The best thing to to do to help help trans people is, uh, aside from, like, showing up and voting and, and using your voice, is to talk about us in daily conversation because it humanizes us. It means we're not being forgotten. Um, it means that you care. It is like not pushing an agenda, but just like, you know, people can't disregard us if, if people are talking about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it makes us real. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really appreciate you doing that.
0: You bet, man. <laughs> my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, yeah, I mean, if, I don't know, like if this if this creates any sort of divide, I'm happy to lose the people that don't come along. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, it, it's just, I, I've just seen, I just think it's so important to, um, circling all the way back to the start of the conversation. Like I, I've really seen myself open up just through exposure to people that are different than me, I grew up in a conservative Christian little bubble and moved to bellingham, Washington you know um, which is super liberal and it just like cracked me wide open so quickly just to to meet people who I had all these preconceptions about or had all these um all this programming um you know about or whatever and and I've seen the same thing again with my parents and and credit to them like if they're listening i've You know, I, and and nothing against my mom, I don't fault her because it was just her programming at the time. But like growing up as a kid, if there was anything, like anytime there was like homosexuality on TV, if it was like two men kissing or two Mm -hmm. women kissing or anything, she would like visibly cringe away from it, you know? And that's just what I saw. And I I think at the, I think even as a kid, I was like, I I felt like strange about that or knew that. I wanted to be maybe more open than that, but to her credit, like culture changes and society changes, and there's just so many more examples of of people, and you just realize that these are humans and they're like me. And I've seen her totally crack open, and it's that's awesome. It's like it just excites me that everything seems to be moving quickly in a better direction. And of course, like it's also like really despairing um, that so many people seem to be completely missing it mm-hmm. um, and and heading in the wrong direction, but. Yeah. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you here. So yeah. Thanks again for doing this. Do you have any, any final things, thoughts?
1: I'm just so honored to be, to (laughs) be a part of this conversation and just to like be present for it and like listen to your story. It's super inspiring. Super inspiring. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Really, really impressed. Um, Yeah. And just like, what a, what a, you're just taking such good advantage of this opportunity that you have to like Yeah. Yeah. To just like have a huge impact on people's lives. Thank you.
3: It it doesn't feel like that a lot of the time. If sometimes it always, it always feels like you could be, I could be doing more or or doing something else,
1: but everyone feels like that. You're doing so much. But I think just by like, (laughs) just by living and like by sharing your own life and your own story, like that's, that's, that's monumental for people.
3: And that's what I, that's what I tell people when they ask, like how they can help and how they could support for any sort of campaign or uh, Community that needs support is like, how do you show up and it's like you show up? The best that you can today mm-hmm. um, Maybe it's not your best Like maybe you're not meeting your best or what you've done before but you show up the best that you can today and then hopefully Do more tomorrow, mm-hmm. but um, You don't have to do everything you don't have to fight every single battle You don't have to give hundred percent to every single cause like um, sometimes there are people who like have mad phone anxiety talking on the phone, you can send emails or but they but they have finance and they can donate to the people like to the grassroots organizations doing work or there. And the people who are the, the, the soldiers doing the grassroots organizations, they don't have the funds to like, fund it, but that's how they're showing up. Like, there's so many different ways to always show up. And you find what works for you. And Hopefully that evolves and, um, sometimes that can be more, but, uh, like as long as you are making the intention to show up and you're trying to show up, no matter how little or how small, that amount matters. And people see that. Um, I think that's something that people don't realize is like when... And this is something that I experience a lot during the Trans Day of Remembrance in November every year, which is the the global, the international day that we recognize the the violence against trans people, and and specifically the people who have been killed in that, year, in that past year. Um, is that, and, and I've communicated this to to friends, and it's changed over the years. Is like. When stuff like this goes out and you don't see people with like big platforms or just like, not even big platforms, just your friends, like they they see it and they'll say something personally to you or or not share it, it's like, it, it can hurt seeing their silence, even though I know that they support me, but mm-hmm. it's like, this is important stuff. And like, the mm-hmm. goal is like, we're putting out this information in hopes that someone from in our circle sees it, thinks it's fucked up and then wants to share it to their circle. And it creates this chain reaction, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, of getting information out because like it's, yeah, trans, trans day of remembrance is, is hard. It's like definitely like this, this echo chamber of just like Mm -hmm. sadness for trans people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and most importantly, like, uh, I will always be someone that like, You can talk to about trans stuff, gender stuff, because in in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm, I'm a safe person. I've communicated. I'm a safe person to talk about those ideas and those opinions in your life. But a lot of the time too, I need someone, I need you to talk about trans stuff to someone other than me Mm -hmm. because I already know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what's more important is like someone else in your family may not know Mm -hmm. what's going on or Mm -hmm. one of your other friends may not know Mm -hmm. what's going on and that's how you, it it gets out of the little bubble.
1: Mm -hmm. Important conversations.
0: Mm -hmm. On that note, is there anything you want people to know about before I let you go? I'll link to your Instagram. Yeah. Anything um, else you got going on
3: or? Pretty much the biggest thing that I've been working on as late is I've been developing the Queer Climbers Network, which is a resource database of sorts of all things, queer climbing. Um, it's, it's, it's still a work in progress, but there's kind of like two components of it. There's a local component and then a global component. The local component is similar to other affinity groups that you may see in the climbing community who host meetups, do clinics, um, just trying to expand access to education, access to the outdoors. Um, help kind of establish community and build community relationships. And then with your local community, but then on a global front, I'm trying to create a database for both like private use and, um, public use in a way to connect you with like people within the industry. So it's the hope is like, here's a database that you can go to where you can find queer setters guides, applicable scholarships, grants, aid programs, events, other local groups, um, festivals, just like a massive place where all this information lives. Because what I've learned with the climbing community, not just like the queer climbing community, but the climbing community in general is that we have like any, any marketing that is done is, is often done internally where through either through word of mouth between climbers or directly through a climbing gym but outside of that it's kind of hard to to learn about anything that's going on um and it's hard to unless if you know the keywords or how to google it and whatnot like it's hard to tap into and like that's kind of like the goal of this is especially with financial access and the financial barrier like with scholarships and grants and stuff, as I've been compiling this list, there's so many more grants and things that I didn't even know about. Mm. Um, And it's kind of amazing to see all of these things that are available to help you in like your pursuits of your own climbing journey and your own outdoor journey. So that's really what I've been working on and putting my attention toward is kind of just developing this resource asset to help build a, like a stronger community base in that, in that sense. So I would say that's a, yeah, that's, that's cool. the main thing. I mean, aside from like, I'm just climbing and living and <laughs> doing things, but that's, that's the important thing is, is the Queer Climbers Network.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Very cool thing that you built. I will link to all the things cat. Thank you. Cat like a cat <laughs> in the show notes at the thenuggetclimbing.com for everybody listening. Thank you guys for tuning in.
1: What's next cat? Um, rehab. <laughs> 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 we didn't.
0: We didn't. <laughs>
1: we didn't really talk much about the current situation. No. Yeah, we did <laughs> yeah.
3: Rehab's next. Yeah, no. the hurt ankle. How, how,
1: how bad do you think it is?
3: I think it may be. I, it's hard to know because I don't. I have a really high pain tolerance, so mm. I don't know if I would be able to tell the difference between a grade two and a grade three mm. um, sprain. Like a grade three sprain is like a full tear, which sometimes needs surgical intervention.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But I'm walking on it, and, like, I walked out both times. Um, I think...
1: Yeah, you sprained it, and then sprained it again. I sprained it, and
3: then sprained it again. What did
1: you sprain it on the first time, and <coughs> what did you sprain it on the second time?
3: Spreenbach and okay. Roy Clavier. Okay. And <laughs> okay. I'll tell you, the video of Roy Clavier, I have it on video, the sound. Oh. Oh, it gives me chills. Oh, no. It's like... Yeah, oh the sound of it, but, but I'm walking and um, it's, yeah, the second sprain, much, much worse than the first. Um, but, you know, it'll heal. I'll deal with it. It's probably good because it means like maybe it's forced healing on my fingers, which are also like mm. continuously perpetually sprained because mm. my joints fucking suck. Mm. Uh, need a
0: collagen sponsor
3: <laughs> <laughs> find me collagen that tastes good please <laughs> um, yeah I mean I, I injuries happen it, it definitely sucks that they happen but um, and, and there are definitely there are certainly times when like I feel like I have a knack for getting sprains and sometimes I wish it would break because like mm. sometimes it seems like a more straightforward healing journey but you know all things considered I'm I'm mobile I'm okay I'm alive like I can still enjoy these last few days here and I know I'll come back and and now there's even just like more motivation to come back cuz I wasn't able to get on
1: a lot of the things that I wanted to get on <laughs> mm-hmm. did you did you um like, were you able to send anything like that? Were that oh yeah, felt I did like, Caroline kinda, and Paula.
3: Did, oh, nice. Sick. Yeah, those
1: are, those are sick. Yeah. That's
3: great. Yeah. I did Caroline. I did. I did a lot that I was proud of.
1: I did. um... King yeah, give it. us the tick list. <laughs> <I> <laughs> those did. are both hard, by the way. Yeah. I I thought I thought Caroline was like. For me, it was like V12. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I, I think mean, it's. I think it's. It's one of those rare problems in Rocklands where if you're like a bigger climber, it's like feels really hard. But it was interesting. Like once I
3: found with both of them, once I found the foot beta, I was able to fire really mm-hmm. well. Um, like when I did Paul Abdul, it felt like it felt. I fl- it felt like V5. Nice. Um, that's, that's
0: such a cool feeling.
3: And I did. Uh, so there was a break in between the sprains where like. I was able to climb in a climbing shoe um, during that that one day. I was able to climb in a climbing shoe. I did Kingdom in the Sky, okay, which is at Champ Site. Um, okay, seven C, cool. And then I was very proud of my send on Poison Dwarf, also post post first sprain. Oh yeah. Um,
1: Do you yeah. think you'll come back next year?
3: I don't know. I I I need to figure out what the vibe is. Like this year the, the collective the collective hive mind in our in our friend group was Rocklands, but it's it's edging toward the buzz for next year is Spain,
1: which in the summer, I, or yeah, just just just, in some, general, just a trip just to general Spain. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
3: which I would love to go back to as well. But if if I can find collect people to come to rocklands next next summer i would love to come back cool yeah it's all it's all a matter of who i can convince to come cuz i'm i'm not i'm i'm not a solo climber i've i've found that i don't fare well if i if i don't have friends so i get very lonely and my my climbing sessions are not very fun if i'm on my own mm.
0: so it's good to know that about yourself <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone's so everyone's super different as far as that goes yeah i think yeah that's why I'm so attached to my
3: home base, I think, mm-hmm. and like um haven't wanted to haven't really I've traveled a lot more than more than I have in a very long time this year, but haven't really done anything where I was not it wasn't planned for me to be with people that I knew. Just cause like the people who I climb with influences how well I climb and how I feel when I climb so much. Mm-hmm. Um and it's really important to me.
0: Yeah. Well, hell, hell yeah. Here's to good cruise. Yeah. Healed healed ankles. Mm-hmm. And a <laughs> great fall season. I plan to come season, back with hopefully.
3: stronger ankles. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I come back. But but I also probably won't do as many high falls or, <clears throat> or risky risky falls. Like Roy Clavier isn't a high ball. It just like it Which one just, is that? At
1: at road it's Crew? It's at road Crew. It's yeah. just
3: like um 7C that's kind of that follows this crack. It's like some hard tensiony laybacking. Mm. Um, and I just happened to fall on it just slightly wrong. My mm. foot wasn't flat, mm. but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, tie, t- a tall fall like Springbok mm. at all. Mm. Um, and it only, like, there's a chance that just based on the way I fall, fell, it could have, it could have sprained anyway, but mm. had I not had a sprain previous, but it just like, there was no way to avoid a sprain just mm-hmm. with with an already sprained ankle based <sighs> on the way I fell yeah. on it. So... Oh, Godspeed. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Happy healing. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah. really appreciate all your time. Cool. And uh, safe, safe travels home. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Hey friends, before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out, scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time.